Representative, would you care to call the roll? Okay. Uh, Trustee Lujanani? Present. Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Lawrence? Here. Trustee Varney? Here. Quorum? Okay, thank you. And I have been asked to remind uh, trustees and speakers that uh, we will be audio recording this um, meeting and posting it, so if you could uh, make sure that you speak into the microphones, um, that would be appreciated. Otherwise, um, we'll take your fruit salad away. Okay. So, um, thank you all for coming today. Um, I, I often start with a, uh, with a mission moment, if you will, and one of the things I um, had the chance to visit San Leandro Hospital couple weeks ago and um, one of the things that struck me um, as we were going through um, kind of just operating statistics was um, how much progress had been made with respect to um, sepsis and um, it was uh, it was explained to me that we went from being you know kind of average in terms of, of sepsis and this is a very very serious condition about half of all hospital deaths are the result of sepsis from what I've read. And so um, paying attention to that is not only important for the individuals involved because the possibility of death is there, uh, but it also has a big impact on the entire system. So um, they had made significant progress and that was a result of not just luck but concerted effort. So I wanted to um, uh, acknowledge that and I, I learned after that uh, JCO came in for their review shortly after my, my visit and uh, they too noted that that was a pretty remarkable result. So um, I don't know if James is here, but he was too modest to acknowledge that. I see. Okay. Well, anyway, so yeah. So I just yeah. wanted to point that out um, because it's not just about money. Okay. Um, did we have? I guess, let's not do that yet. Let's not do that yet. So let's see, I think the first thing on the consent agenda is the approval of the minutes from the July 27th meeting. So if I could have a motion for that. Second? Second. Okay, all in favor, aye. aye. I'll abstain, I wasn't here. Okay, so um, I should say, are there any corrections or adjustments? No. I made the motion. Okay. <laughs> okay. Then um, three I, no nays, one abstention. All right. Um, so approved. Let us talk about committee planning. Um, so, have the finance committee planning calendar? Or this is uh, page 10 of 73. Okay. Uh, the first thing I'll point out is we, we've been trying to refine this format <clears throat> so that it's um, usable and perhaps something we could be used as uh, a standard template. Um, but what we've done is we've laid out the meetings uh, throughout the remainder of the year. Uh, currently, we're not planning to have a meeting in, in December or June, but uh, do meet in the other months. Uh, we're going to have standard reports from the CFO and the CIO at each of those meetings. Um, <clears throat> we'll be bringing... Um, uh, special issues to the committee as they arise uh, and under section 4 I'd like to point out that we're scheduling um, retrospective reviews of 
contracts that we've done in the past. So we're trying to spread those out so that it doesn't uh, overwhelm the agenda. And we'll try to make those very uh, uh, concise. But uh, I think that'll be a good exercise for us to go through. And uh, the thing that um, uh, we really don't, haven't uh, filled out yet is on the bottom, uh, which is on committee education. And I thought at some point we could have a discussion about uh, what types of education the committee might be interested in receiving. And we'd be happy to plan those out. Okay, thank you. Um, and I, I notice here we, well, I know that today we have a report out on the permanent agreement with the county, but do we note here when we're going to actually bring it for approval to the committee? Um, <clears throat> we don't. I think the first time, uh, when, I, when I met with um, the uh, county auditor controller, he, he indicated he'd like to get it done as early as October, uh, and we've, um, but we've not really talked since then, so I don't know the status of that. I'm assuming we'll probably talk after this meeting okay. and, and see the status of it. And then what about things like um, budget? Uh, okay, that, that is that actually here. currently not on here. That would be a uh, yeah uh, something to be very good to put on. Let's get budget on here. We may want to consider um, um, not every month for sure, but maybe at least a couple times a year a forecast update. Yeah, and what and what typically happens, of course, is, as we've talked, we don't actually have today a, uh, <clears throat> a financial forecasting model, although we're building one and hope to have it up in a couple of months. And I think certainly the uh, review and approval of a long-term financial plan uh, mm -hmm. is something this committee should spend time on and approve. Uh, that's typically done um, after the strategic planning process ends and uh, immediately prior to the budget process beginning. So perhaps in January would be a, a good time to do that. Okay. And we, and we should have the model in place by then as well. Okay. Well, maybe why don't you maybe we could update this for um, those things that we just discussed. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Okay. And, um, and we can talk more about the timing. I, I think we're going to talk about get a report out on the permanent agreement a little bit later. So maybe we can talk about the timing of that approval process in more detail when we get to that point. Sure. Okay. I'd be happy to. Um, Michelle, um, just out of curiosity, how does how do how do these reports relative to the finance committee and to the formal board comply with not comply with match up to the health committee and um, mm. the supervisors' health committee so that. I'm trying to understand, because I, I know they're out of sequence, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. when I looked at the agreement, there were reports that needed to go to the health committee, and I'm looking at the timing, and some of those that went to the health committee don't even come to the board before you go to the health committee, and so I think we've got some issues that we're going to have to, yeah. they might not be easily solvable, but we're going to have to think through mm -hmm. how those line up, so at least some part of the board, whether mm -hmm. it's the finance committee, my preference would be the whole board, but mm -hmm. at least the finance committee has an opportunity to respond and ask you questions so that when we go to the health committee, mm -hmm. it's not a surprise to the board members of what you are saying to a health committee sure. because we never saw it. So, Right. right. So... Um, <clears throat> 
um, we're trying to get those synced up. And so normally uh, this committee meets in the third week of the month and the health committee we'd be presenting in the fourth week of the month. Now that didn't happen this time because uh, the health committee in the fourth week happened to fall on the same day as the AHF golf tournament. So we had to move it to the 14th and then we're in this, you know, dilemma, okay, well, you know, what do we exactly bring in? Because um, I think the report, you know, that, that um, you may be mentioning is the metrics report. And of course, we had reviewed that at prior meetings in the Finance Committee, although perhaps not that final document. So we made sure that we provided um, old information that the committee had seen uh, in other formats from June, basically. Uh, and then going forward, what we want to do July going forward is, is make sure we have that adequate spacing so that there's a week between the Finance Committee and when the uh, county uh, wants to see it. And the county has a new protocol that they, they're posting now a whole week in advance, which is we used to do three or four days, now it's a week. So it's, it's pushing the, the, it's compressing the time that we have to, to sequence these things. It's kind of a balancing act. But um, we, we very much want to meet the requirements of the board, which we do understand. Th thank you, because I know it is complicated. and. Uh, and so I'm trying to wrap my head around the idea that there will be half of the board that still does not have information that mm -hmm. the supervisors might. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to, and I know the supervisors are talking about some kind of joint meeting, we'll have to probably address that issue at some point because mm -hmm. do who gets the most current information, your board? or the supervisors mm. and I think that's always always a difficult balance yeah in, in theory uh, obviously we want our board to see it first um, and perhaps one way of ensuring that is to make sure that the, that particular report um, is in the package uh, the thing that the uh, the county has done is they've, they've sort of restricted what they want to see which is just that metrics report and the uh, cash forecast and the accounts payable I believe as opposed to, say, a more detailed uh, discussion of um, operating income. Um, in practice, we do run into these times when, you know, the dates just don't quite line right. up. But uh, perhaps one thing we could do is make sure that all that information is in this package and we distribute it to the entire board uh, before it's posted to the that county. Would be, that would be very helpful, I yeah. think, to them, and courtesy yeah. to the board. Sure, absolutely. Okay. I, David, I also know that one of the things um, you've brought up a few times is, you know, the the timing of the committee meetings. Mm -hmm. um, kind of, it, it's a little bit too early for to get. It's a little bit too early in terms of your um, closing cycle, mm -hmm. so that we often end up with you know actual results which are <coughs> kind of stale, mm -hmm. and so. Maybe one of the things that you and I could do be between now and the next um, uh, uh, committee meeting, and if one other trustee wants to join, that would be great. Mm -hmm. um, we can just kind of go through this calendar and, and think, you know, especially from in 2016, are there adjustments we could make to the timing, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. of, the, of the committee meeting that may, right. that where, where we could get actual results that are a little bit more, a little bit fresher. Um, and and that that's, would be great. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we're sitting here in September. We're going to be reviewing July. Mm -hmm. If we were meeting next week, we'd be reviewing August. Yeah. <clears throat> so you'd have more timely information. Right. 
No. Um, and, and then that, then the, probably that would mean that the county would then see it a full month later because it would, they, it would then see it on the fourth week in, mm -hmm. the, in the next month, okay. which might be acceptable. Now, before warned, I'm going to press you to um, see if we can speed up the closing calendar a little bit, but that's a separate matter. <clears throat> you know, we're, we're down to about 10 working days, which is pretty good. Uh, for a complex organization. So. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it later. Okay. But, uh, so right. is that one week that makes a big difference? It, it, it actually does, yeah. To the fourth Tuesday or something. Yes. Just before the full board meeting, then we'd have much more current. Yes. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, all right. So there's a lot of stuff. So I think there's a lot of, we got, we got a lot of, we got a lot of work to do on this calendar here, but. We do. Yeah. Well, you and I, so why don't you and I do it? And like I said, if uh, one of the trustee wants to join, that would be, that'd be fabulous. Um, and then we have the uh, page 11, the Board of Supervisors Health Care Committee uh, meeting dates. And um, we just had one yesterday. The next one is two weeks hence. And um, I try to go to as many as I can. I know Trustee Lawrence does as well. And I think everyone should try to go. They're actually, they're pretty interesting, even if the, even if the topic isn't on us. Okay. And then, let's see, there's that one other slide. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that this slide would be in the deck, in the packet, but um, it inadvertently didn't get in. So I'll just bring it up as a topic and we can really discuss it next time. One of the things that I wanted to do was start working on, um, you know, really updating, you know, ma making the, um, the presentation of the results you know, kind of more more understandable, more meaningful, more comprehensive. And so, you know, I think that I, I look at, I, I think that the level of detail that we get is great, but I kind of, what I, what I would, what I'm proposing we think about is, uh, you know, look mm -hmm. at it a little bit more on a little bit more summary basis, but, but with more business analysis involved. Uh, we take a deeper look at the balance sheet and the cash flow statement because there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. We delve more into business unit performance and so on. So, like I said, um, the committee did not get a chance to review this, so I don't want to go through it right now unless there's specific comments. But we'll come back okay. in okay. October and sure. go through that. Um, okay. 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 All right. So, Mr. Cox. Okay, so we're up You're to me, um, um, starting on page 12, and what I've done is um, <clears throat> I've pulled um, uh, information that's in the formal write-up onto the screen, and I've kind of summarized it. Uh, so let me give you the high level, and uh, excuse me. So let me just start. So July was a, a good month. We're starting the month with a $725,000 profit, which is close to budget. It's a little bit below. Uh, and essentially, um, I think the committee's asked in the past, can I kind of simplify uh, and show um, why we're, we're operating where we are? And I'm going to try to do that both here and, and in a schedule I'm going to show you in a minute. But essentially, the volumes were pretty good. They were pretty consistent with budget. <clears throat> some are high, some are low, but in general, we're a little bit above budget. Uh, the revenue cycle yield was good. Uh, that's measured by our collection ratio and by uh, uh, re net revenue per adjusted patient day. And expense control was pretty much in line with budget. So between those three things in total, we operated very close to budget. Um, I'll get into some more detail in a minute. Um, 
To cover some other things, the, uh, we remain compliant with the uh, interim agreement with the county. Those discussions are continuing. We'll have a talk about that a little bit later. And we did provide the uh, new metrics report to them. Uh, our performance improvement initiatives continue. Uh, you're going to get an expanded um, <clears throat> report on um, uh, the revenue cycle tonight, hearing some of the people that have actually done the work. Uh, the performance improvement program with uh, expense reduction is continuing. We, are, we, we believe we recorded about $2 million of annualized savings through things like group purchasing and pharmacy management. We expect to be at $12 million by the end of the year, which is when this program ends. And one of the primary initiatives is the uh, nurse unit uh, productivity management system, which has just been rolled out. Uh, the reports that we're getting from uh, Kinsey and others, is Kinsey here, not here? Oh, would you like to make some comments? Yeah. Um, that program's going out very, very well. There's a big opportunity there. And, uh, Um, the rollout of this program started on um, first in the Highland inpatient units in the ICU and on the fifth floor and the seventh floor here at Highland. Um, each unit has a dedicated laptop and um, in order to keep, um, keep their records um, during, the, during the shift, um, there's a helpline that's available. The, um, the first week of implementation, the Med Assets team rounded on the nursing unit in order to um, answer any questions and provide feedback and coaching um, to the staff on how to use the use the um, tool. Um, for the for the first week, um, they focused primarily on how to use the tool. But the the important questions and what um, Kinsey and her leadership team anticipate. Um, should lead to about an $8 million reduction in cost this year is that on a weekly basis um, they will um, look at whether or not they're, they're on target, are they under target, are they over, they're over, why are they, why are they over, um, what can be done to minimize the use of staff that, that isn't required. And, and the, uh, the managers and directors are are highly engaged in, in making this work and in, and in trying to be as efficient and effective as possible. At the same time, we provide the best possible care to our patients. Um, go ahead. And this will be, this has started in this uh, at Highland few flows and this will then go system-wide, is it? it? Yes, it, yes, it will. As, as, soon, as soon as Highland is solid, and Highland is, is where the bulk of our expenses, then it will move to San Leandro and Alameda Hospital. So the eight million well. will be system-wide sa savings. And this eight million, is that in budget or is this extra? Uh, this is not in the budget. So this <clears> is um, extra. And in the 12 million that I mentioned, I counted half of, half of the eight, so we potentially could go higher, but um, it's early in the program. I just, we wanted to report that um, it appears to be very effective. It's being well received by our managers. Essentially, it's a little uh, program where uh, every four hours you count the number of patients and type and mm -hmm. put them in a computer and it tells you how many 
how many staff you, of which type you should have on the unit. Okay. And it allows them to manage very, very quickly. Right. And, and, and as and discharges occur, it allows them to take another look at the staffing. Yeah. Do they still mm -hmm. require the amount of staffing that they have? Um, there are some other things that we'll be working on, working on too, to um, increase the ability to flexibly staff in the units that need the most, the most nurses at a particular time. Okay. And what impact, if any, does this have on quality of care or outcome? Mm. Uh, when I rounded, everybody's very happy with it, and there is no impact on quality of care. Okay. Is that um, anecdotal observation or That's what I'm or, hearing. Or That's what I okay. heard from Kinsey, and that's what I would expect. That's what I've experienced in other organizations. It's not, a, you know, it's not like we're cutting resources. It's just... Mm -hmm that uh, you're making sure we have the appropriate resources to, the, to do the job on the unit. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I understand. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, yeah. you want to do both, right? Save yeah. money and right. not. Um, okay. Okay. Great. Thank um, you, Jeanette. Thanks. Um, let's see. So at our last meeting, the committee asked that um, we have follow-up discussions with the county regarding the Toyon recommendations that did occur. Uh, we've been through that in some detail, and uh, I understand that the uh, uh, Rebecca Gephardt from the county has been asked to make a presentation to the board to give a kind of an independent review, and that's great. Uh, we think we've made excellent progress, but, but there's still a lot of work to be done in this organization, and I think the report will reflect that. Um, the, um, before I go back to the detailed financials, I wanted the committee to be aware of a couple of other uh, areas that we're pursuing. One is the um, uh, amount that uh, Alameda Health System is being allocated on the pension expense. It's it's complicated, uh, but uh, in essence, we believe that there's been some overallocation uh, just because the mix of employees has changed over time. And uh, Jeanette and I have had a discussion with the um, management of ASERA, and they what tend. Do you mean by what do you mean by overallocation, David? Um, the uh, amount of cost that's being uh, allocated to. Um, to Alameda Health System on our to, to pay uh, s appears to be higher than would be justified by the actual number of our participants versus other participants in the program. Now, th there's got to be a very c complicated actuarial uh, analysis of that, but that discussion is ongoing. And um, but we think it's something that we we definitely want to wrap up this calendar year, and we're uh, we're getting good cooperation on that. So I think in the, in the next month or two. Um, we should have that um, in the uh, the next meeting, the audit committee. You're going to be hearing about a, uh, a a related, complicated issue having to do with call, which is called GASB 68, which requires um, <clears throat> um, unfunded pension obligations to be uh, absorbed or shown on the, the financial statements of the um, participating entities. In in our case, there's a very significant. Um, amount of money that's going to have to be shown on our balance sheet, and it's going to also increase our annual uh, pension expenses. So um, uh, this issue, this allocation issue, relates directly to that. So we, we obviously want to dig into that um, and uh, understand the implications. And uh, we hope to come back to the committee at a later, or the board at a later date, with a fuller discussion of it. But we wanted you to be aware that those, um, this analysis is going on. Okay. Uh, I think that's all I really want to say about that issue at this point. Um, uh, also, in contract negotiations, I uh, wanted to report that we're, uh, we've got uh, several uh, ongoing discussions. Uh, we're in discussions with Kaiser. Uh, I believe we're very close to an agreement. 
I don't see any reason that um, we shouldn't come to a final. Um, we're arguing, not arguing, but just discussing a few minor points. We're very close on those. Um, we uh, are in negotiations with uh, CHCN. Those have gone very well. We have an agreement in concept. Um, we're in agreement with the Alameda Alliance. We've made a proposal to them. Um, their response has been delayed because they had a computer conversion on September 1st, so they're a little behind, but they've promised to get that to us uh, pretty quickly. And we're in negotiations with Aetna, and we expect a response next week. And finally, we've reached an agreement with the California Prison uh, uh, Group. Uh, we currently take care of county inmates. This is an agreement that would allow us to um, also see um, uh, the California inmates. And we're, you know, we're not at the point of being ready to implement that, but um, you know, it's, a, it's a contract, and we're going to have them in to give a presentation on how that would work and give us a chance to answer questions about it. Okay. Do do we operate a clinic at the jail, I, or no? Mm, uh, I don't what, believe we do. Okay, no. I no. Some I just it occurred to me that maybe yeah. I thought somehow we did, but okay, okay, okay. No, so that was that's a, fine. that was a high level overview. Now I'd like to back up and spend a little more time. So um, one of the things the committee asked last time <clears throat> is that I make an attempt to um, make it more understandable. Uh, sort of identify, you know, when we're, we're measuring the budget, how do, we, how do we break down the significance of these variances so that, so that we can understand it? <clears throat> okay, so this is the traditional way that I would present that information to you. I, I'd pull this out and I'd say, um, let's see, whoops. Okay, let me see if I can get this to work. No, there it is, okay. Uh, Sorry. There we go. Okay, I'd say, um, well, the operating margin was close to budget. And I'd say the collection ratio looked pretty good. And I'd say that the volumes, the volume variances are pretty close. And uh, if you lo I'd, lo I'd look at this line and say, gee, the revenue yield is good. It's a little bit better than we expected. Expenses per adjusted patient day is a little worse than expected. And overall, we're profitable, pretty close to budget, but not quite there. And I'd say that we're favorable on FTEs and favorable on FTEs for AOB. And the compensation ratio looks pretty good. That's what I'd say. Okay. And you'd all look at me and say, thanks, that's very boring. Okay, so I took another approach and said, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, let me explain this. <laughs> go with me on this. Just go with me. Go with me. So what I'm, what I'm trying to do here is look at just the variances, okay? And I broke it into three things, because I, uh, three, three areas. So last time I said, look, there's really three things that are driving the budgets. The volumes, the revenue yield, and the expenses, okay? So here we have the volumes, the revenue yield, the expenses, and then the bottom line, okay? Uh, and I've got related indicators under there, okay, that, that these are all volume indicators, revenue yield indicators, and expense indicators, and bottom line. Now, David, if I were, if I were a classroom teacher, I would say you have to define what volume indicators are, what yield indicators are, and what expense indicators are. Okay. So it's helpful if there's a definition that we're all working with. Right, right. So right. I would start 
So would you do that for me, please? Sure. Thank okay. So, so volume indicators are, are things that relate to how many patients actually come through our facilities. Okay? And there's various ways of looking at it because we're a big complex organization with all kinds of different activity going on. So one of the things we track is the average daily census, which is how many inpatients are in our beds on average during the month. Okay? Um, then we have um, something called, uh, we, we had to have an uh, indicator for outpatient. Okay, so we can, ha on an outpatient, uh, or actually, I'm sorry, that's not correct. Uh, in addition to the census, we wanted to look at discharges, which are how many patients get admitted and discharged for the month. And then for the ambulatory, they don't have discharges, we track visits. Okay. Uh, gross charges, that's a dollar amount, but it's actually a volume indicator because it's the top line. It shows how much revenue activity we have. And then outpatient revenue. Is that okay? I, I'm sorry. I know this, this takes time. But yeah. the, the difference on the average, you said that was the number of people that were in our beds. Yes. So if you put, and the discharge, mm -hmm. the discharges, I am assuming, are the people who were in the beds who are now discharged. Yes. Okay. So why do you combine visits and discharges mm -hmm. if you're comparing the daily census and the discharges? Yeah. Okay. So I didn't actually combine the two. I said that um, for the hospitals, we have discharges. For ambulatory, we have visits because they're different things. Okay. Okay. But the difference between a discharge and the census is the length of stay, the time that they stay in the, in the, in the bed. Okay. Because you can... You can see more patients and get them through quicker and actually have lower people in beds. But it, that's generally considered a good thing because you're being efficient and, okay. So those are, those are volume indicators. Now, um, so what I did is I applied what's called a, a heat map to these things, okay, which is a little setting you can do that says if it's a negative variance, make it red, and if it's a green variance, make it green. And the intent of this is to immediately draw your eye to the red. So you can say, oh, Fairmont, the discharges are 22% below budget. Hmm, okay. Oh, uh, San Leandro Hospital, outpatient revenue is down this month. Uh, discharges were up, but for whatever reason, that's down. And, you know, and conversely, you see the green. You can see outpatient revenue at Fairmont, behavioral health, et cetera, okay? Then over here, you have consolidated. So in total, it's, you know, pink. So not too bad. A little bit below, not too bad. All right, now this is revenue yield. So there are various measures of revenue. Mm -hmm. One is net patient service revenue, which is how much we expect to collect. Supplemental revenue, which are the, you know, Medi-Cal waiver funds and, and measure A. Total, which is just those two added together. The collection ratio, which is net revenue divided by gross revenue. And then the net revenue per adjusted patient day or visit, okay? So similarly, for each of our business units, you can go across and rapidly focus on any area where we think we have a positive or negative variance, okay? Then we have expense indicators. So one is total expenses, very straightforward. Uh, FTEs per AOB, compensation ratio, and expenses per adjusted patient day. Okay, in total, pretty close to budget. If you look at individually, we've got some variances. 
okay, ups and downs. And then overall performance, operating margin, operating income, operating margin, EBITDA margin, pretty close to budget overall. We've got some variances into various places. So um, <clears throat> I guess I'm looking for some feedback at this point. Is this what, is this helpful? Would you like me to do something else? I can think um, of all kinds of different things I could try to do for you, but. I, I guess as I, when, when you put it up initially, it was a lot of color and yeah. you, you got to, everyone jumped back. But I, I realized that compared to the previous slide, the traditional waste slide, mm -hmm. the traditional waste slide was just consolidated. Mm -hmm. So really, you know, if you, what we'd be looking at is that one or just the very far right hand column. That, that's here, correct. Right? Yeah, yeah. So in this slide, you're presenting everything eight times more information in a yeah. sense. Right. Um, it, this is useful as in, uh, you know, to me, okay. as a at a glance, um, um, I'd want to think about it some more. I bet I could come up with some concoct okay. some other ideas. But this yeah. this is helpful. Um, I mean, it strikes me that you know, I mean, the immediate things other than the you know individual units. Some are doing you know way better. Some are doing way worse. If you just look at a consolidated basis, the two questions that come to my mind are, gee, why is it that, you know, census and discharges are yeah, a little bit green, but uh, gross charges are very red? That was my question. <clears throat> and uh, as we so, dug into it, I said, oh, for, for <clears throat> there was a delay in getting the gross charge increase on July 1st. It didn't happen until August 1st. Yeah. Gee, that okay. explains it. So, so, well, does it, or, I mean, if you were to add the, if you were to model in the increase on... We'd, we'd be about on budget as we are in August. Okay. Yeah. All but right. But compared to the budget, we were off. Okay. Well, so that didn't have of, a material impact on the bottom line, but... All right. Yeah, and yeah. then, and then, ex, and then total expenses are better overall, although yes. um, on a kind of per basis... Not so, you know, it's kind but of just... There, there, are, there are variances in different places, but yeah. overall we're pretty close to budget. Okay. Yes. All right. So that's, that's helpful. That's I was going to say, I, I very much appreciate you breaking out the, the, the various um, hospitals and units. Mm -hmm. I, I think that was a, the great idea. And Jim is right initially, the colors, but the colors are helpful. It does, it does give your eye. Uh, what I'm not understanding is whether is is this relative to year to date? Is this by the month? What uh, what am I comparing when you say a variance? A variance to what? Uh, th this particular slide is <clears throat> for just the month of July. Okay, so if it's just the month of July, and it's budget related to what you plan for the month of July. Mm -hmm. So how do I know then whether or not the whole year where we are relative to our expenses? Uh, because I can, I can do this for year to date very easily. Well, I, I would think because we, there's nothing to compare here. So you're, if you look at a month, you mm -hmm. go, oh, gosh, we've got a great month. This is mm -hmm. lovely. Mm -hmm. But the month before could have been disastrous. Right. And there's no reconciliation in, for me to know whether or not we're on... Yeah, so I, I could do this, I could make this graph 
year to date. I could show this year to date, plus I could show the current month. It's really I mean, right, easy to do. Right now, we're in the first sure. month of the yeah, year. Yeah. It's yeah. the same. It's the same. Right. Yeah. Yes, yes. No, I know we're first. Yeah. 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 But obviously, but, with it being the first month of the year, it's actually both month to date and year to date. Yeah. And then in subsequent months, you can do yeah. that month because each month we close the book. So you can do that yeah. month and you'll have a look, a snapshot of the month. But then you can do year to date, which will then give you the aggregate. What do we look like now as, as each month uh, gets piled yeah. into that? Yeah. Okay. And, and the intent of this is really to <clears throat> allow the, the board to focus in on issues and focus their questions very quickly to say, oh, you know, what, what is going on with the okay. rates there? Yeah, I, I like this um, snapshot for the month and mm -hmm. especially the way the volume, yield and expense, I feel like those are those three criteria, main criteria, mm -hmm. and having those in relation to each of the different uh, things mm. is very helpful okay, great. to see it in one. Yeah, we can refine this too as people, th you'll think of things, oh, just say, <laughs> what, could we do this, could we do that? I, yeah. Two things that would be helpful to me is to add a versus prior year. And I think, well, I guess it, we, you that probably couldn't do that on a, do. on a unit basis, but maybe on a consolidated basis. Mm. Uh, I could, I could, do almost anything. There's a limit to what you can put onto one, or one, even want to put onto one page. Sure. This is one look at it. If there's another question, which is like, yeah. how are we doing a prior year? I could create something well, similar to this yeah, well, I'm, I'm that thinking, answers that question. Yeah, I'm thinking a separate page with yeah, this versus yeah. prior yeah, year. But what's the, what's the advantage of prior year? I, I'm sorry, Susanna. What's the advantage of prior year if a but if you uh, aren't you comparing? Uh, I mean, each each well, budget year, the budgets are going to be different, and so. Well, I'm thinking actual this year versus actual prior year. And, I mean, both, I mean... But if you're they're in both, debt, they're if you're both in debt relevant. prior, the prior year, mm -hmm. why do you want to compare? I don't understand why you would want to compare um, this in prior year. Some of it... I'm not arguing. Yeah. I'm trying to understand. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I understand. That's just, I mean, I'd, I'd say from experience, having that, having that comparison to prior year can be can be helpful in that you can, you know, sometimes yeah. you can illuminate either a trend that yeah, you're not going to uh, see Yeah, what typically uh, happens is you're looking at a variance uh, that, and you're saying, well, why is that? And then somebody see. says, well, well, how I much see. did we spend last year on I that? I see. Yeah. And that's why actually we have a column on our actual financials I, I see. that yeah. has the prior year. So you um, know. I, I think the other thing that would be very helpful is in, sorry, is in some cases have some, uh, some graphs that show trends. So for example, you know, uh, just picking, just because of the very first line, yeah. you know, average daily census, and to yes. show, yes. show some graphs that show that, show that yeah. trending up, trending flat, trending and, and down. And we actually have those built, but as of July, we have a trend of one month, so. Right, well, yeah. well no, but I'm, I'm thinking, uh, no, but not just, not just for yeah. the year, but, but going but back going into back history. Back. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. yeah. And just personally, what I've found, you know, is if you show, when you have monthly data, if you show them, you mm -hmm. know, you may have the months, some seasonality in the data, but if you yeah. show a rolling 12-month right, average, right. yeah. So I think when the rolling 12-month average starts to change, you so know, you know that things are really changing. Okay, so right. So yeah. let me suggest this. So if yep. you if you think you might like this, let's mm -hmm. keep this, yeah, and then let me use it to pick things that I think are things yeah. the committee should look at and do some trend graphing. Sure, perfect. And then That'd and be yeah. great. Yeah, because I, I don't think we want to look at 400 graphs each time. That no, would be yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do have a question, and I know, the, you know, the CFO 
may decide that this is just my call on it, and that's you get some of those powers when you're CFO. Um, like operating income, it's kind of a light pink. At what yeah. point do you turn it to green? So, I mean, what is your, is it, it's minus 28%, so we're under budget, that I mean under mm. operating income, we're below our operating income, we're not spending money. What's your call? I mean, you know, it's so you're doing arbitrary. There's a, there's, well, actually, there's a, a function in Excel that you just take these cells and you apply this thing to it, and you get colors. You have choices. <laughs> you can do, you know, but you can't go in and just say, I want this one to be green. You know, it, it, it just, and I don't know exactly what the algorithm is, but it decides for you, based on the scheme, what the color is going to be. Maybe you could ask some unlucky oh. person to figure out what, 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 what's, what's the dividing line between. I, I was kind of curious too, like why are some light pink and some are kind of a deeper red? And yeah, and I, I and don't. What, I yeah, don't, what's I the? Don't. What's magnitude? So is it deep green? Sure. Are big numbers. Light greens are. Oh. What? Right, but at what what point? is big? You know, it's the idea of closest. Okay. Like okay. this is too far for a kiss, but too close for a snake. So what is? <laughs> what is close? I mean, okay. I don't I'm get not it. I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> uh, 13. So, 13. Susanna, please write that one down. <laughs> so that's that's it's doing that magnitude of that. Yeah, I think uh, it, it is a it's a continuous range. Okay. But at 13.9, it it picked yeah. that as intense. Okay. Tell tell okay. tell tell you what to to um, humor this extremely curious committee. Um, maybe just create a um, a table mm -hmm. with like you know minus one percent two three four five yeah. and see what it changes the colors to. Okay. And we'll yeah, I'll, I'll just we'll bring see. it in next time for yeah. Kind of and to show you, you the different colors. Kind of like a yeah. kind of like, okay. uh, like a paint chip thing. And I think Delvecchio was wanting to say something. <laughs> I think we're all speechless. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Okay. Uh, other operating issues, we talked about ACERA, I talked about contracting, talked about performance, talked about revenue cycle improvement, which we're going to come back to. Uh, so, and uh, let's see, I, here's our cash forecast. We are right about here, looking good. Uh, this is January, February. We're going to be um, right up in that area. This is a conservative forecast, and it doesn't have any lease financing in it. And one of the things we're looking at now is talking to um, banks and lessors to do a little bit of lease financing. If we did that, these numbers would come down. Uh, also, there's an uncertain, there's a $24 million payment related to an old Medi-Cal waiver that's in there. We really have no idea when that's going to be asked to be taken back. So it could be delayed. It could be next year. So there's a lot of uh, conservatism in these numbers. Um, we, we, we had excellent cash uh, collections in July, uh, $38 million uh, from AHS, and I think $52 million in total. Uh, we're projecting being compliant at the end of the year at this point. So uh, happy to answer any questions about that. Uh, we are going to be talking about the permanent agreement a little bit later in the agenda. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll try to stay away from that. What, what I am trying to understand, um, and the other slide I saw at the health committee meeting, yeah. congratulations. I know okay. we'll come to that. But, yeah. uh, David, I'm, I'm never understanding the issue of the cash related to the debt. And okay. 
Yeah, I call this a cat cash forecast. It's really a debt forecast because the the county sweeps all of our cash. We have really we have some other, a few minor accounts that have three or four million dollars in them, but but really what we're doing is tracking. Uh, what's called the negative draw against the county, which is what this represents. So how, when I look at this chart, how do I se separate the idea of our, our payment obligation on the debt mm -hmm. and our efficiency in, in the way in which we're using the cash that is not committed to the debt? How okay. how do I see? Yeah, that's hard for me to answer. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's, there's sort of two different things. One is tracking where we think our relationship with the county is going to be, and the other is fiscal management through reviewing the budget because this has essentially the budget built into it, and if we operate in accordance with the budget, we should pretty much track that line. Okay. If we if we find we're not, if we're like losing money. Uh, or not, not operating close to budget, then this is going to get much worse in a hurry. So they're sort of linked, uh, but you're getting two different looks at it. Uh, so how how does uh, I'm I don't I'm sorry to take some, That's but fine. I got I have fine. to learn it's this stuff. Yeah. Um, how how does one then the staff you establish the priority in an idea that we can't we we can only borrow so much for our cash for our operating mm -hmm. and still so we could get more cash by not paying the debt get more cash yes by not making a debt payment we'd have yes. more we'd have more cash yes okay yes. so how do you make the priority relative to <clears throat> whether or not paying that debt is more important than paying the right because we we the agreement actually doesn't give us that ability so it's not that we pay the debt <clears throat> they take our cash up front it goes into a lockbox that they control and they decide how much we can have okay so if if that's the case then when you show this mm -hmm. why and there and they've already taken the money mm -hmm. Is this just our operating issue, or does it? And that's the tr what I'm trying to get. If they've already, if you've already swept that off, why is this including in a payment of the debt? Oh, because every day it changes. Because every day more cash comes into the lockbox. They take it. <clears throat> we ask, can we have some money to to make our payroll? Can we have some money to do an accounts payable run, to pay our physicians? So it's changing every day. No, that I know. Um, I, I'm going to have to really think. Okay. I, I okay. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so very, very quickly, this is where we are in accounts payable. As you may recall, uh, last year we were up around forty million. I'm sorry, David. Uh, actually, I, I may regret this, but can you go back? I want, I want to yeah. try to, to see if I can uh, uh, explain this in a way that makes sense. So um, I'm going to simplify it and say, let's say we were running a shoe store, and we, you know, we went to a bank and said, I would like to run a shoe store. I need a loan to actually get my shoe store up and going. And the bank said, fine, I'll give you $5,000 to get your shoe store up and going. Now I want to come back with a payment schedule for how you're going to give me my $5,000 back. Uh, and 
the way that I'm going to do it is I'm not going to, as you sell shoes and uh, make money, you don't get to bank the, those dollars. When, you, when someone pays you for those shoes, essentially you put it in my pocket. Uh, and then as you have expenses for staff, payroll, and other stuff, you tell me how much you think you're going to need to do that stuff, and I'll give you some of the money back. And we just keep doing this back and forth that I'll, I'll take all the money, I'll give you a little bit back so you can keep paying your business and keep it going until you've given me enough of that money back to pay off all the loan that I have. So when you see this trend line here, what essentially is happening is we've, we've proposed a budget or we've baked in a budget to the county and said, if we do this, we know we're going to make money uh, uh, based off of the services we provide, and we will make enough money to pay you back against a schedule that will allow the, the, the loan to eventually be paid off. Sometimes we won't make money, uh, and so in those months, the debt will creep back up until we make some more money and then it starts to come back down because what we need back to run our operations will not be as much as we made in that month. So what you're seeing is basically that fluctuation and it gets to the question that uh, Supervisor Chen was asking David yesterday, which was, well, now, you know, previously I saw you projecting a deficit or, or crossing the, the line sooner and he's saying, you know, the cash forecasts are, have improved. So now with improved collections and improved other uh, aspects of operations, expense management, we are seeing a bigger delta between what we, um, what we owe, or I'm sorry, what we're bringing in versus what we owe, and so so then we're able to bring the line down in those respective months. Does that does that make a, a help? It, yes, thank okay. you. It it helped considerably. Now, it, it all it, it also prompted the question: if, if and David, you'll get to the agreement. If in the agreement it says we're only gonna in the shoe store example, mm -hmm. if if you you can't borrow any more from me, right? So, and that's how I see. You can't borrow any more from me. There is a clause in there that says maybe if you're good, we'll figure something out. But you can't borrow any more from me. So how do I, as a trustee, mm -hmm. understand when, before it gets to above the line, mm -hmm. what, what am I looking at to ensure that that cash is not getting above the line? Because this expense report with the colors and the red doesn't tell me that well, so how do i know unless i see it poking up above what what tells me as a that w we are in a position where the county is going to come at us and say shame on you well so so this forecast <coughs> the line is based on achieving the budget and if we achieve the budget <coughs> we'll pretty much track this line um, yeah. Let me, so let, let, let me answer the, here. Let, me, let me answer the question. So I, I think certainly every month we should be looking at the most updated version of this graph. Mm -hmm. And of course you would, you know, you'll have an arrow that says we're here. And as we get, so for example, if we're getting closer to that, you know, you're yeah. going to come to us and say, um, guess what? We're going to exceed, you know, we might exceed this budget, so we have to do. Yeah, and, and, and the other and thing this, is, and this, and this is management's plan to solve that. But I think every month we should be looking at that. Well, and the graph. other thing well, is, this is a forecast graph, and yeah. so yeah, yeah. yeah but, but the other thing is to track the, the position of that black arrow, because everything to the left of it is actually occurred, everything to the right is a forecast, and the things that are immediately to the right of it 
are pretty good forecasts because they're right in front of us and we know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, 30, 60 days in advance. You get out a year or two, it's a little harder. Yeah. So as a committee, we're going to review You're this updated know, yeah. for, you know, an updated yeah. forecast every time. And if it looks like, you know, you're going to exceed the uh, borrowing authority for whatever reason in beforehand, you let us all know. Yeah. So where I does mean, the wave, the Medi-Cal waiver come in? And if, I mean, in the forecast? Uh, well, you see those big dips <clears throat> where the, the red line goes up and it dips? Those are typically receiving Medi-Cal waiver payments. Those, uh, I was big drops. speaking about the take back, not the... Oh, uh, the, the $24 million. I think it's currently in February. So is that in the... Uh, did, it's in the is forecast. Is that in the forecast? Yeah, it's making the line go up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Trustee Varney has been patiently waiting. <laughs> I'm sorry, we don't have time. Anthony. Sorry. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Well, I guess the confusion starts with the very first line where it says 725000 profit. Close to budget. What is that? What is close to budget? Um, within a, you know, in this case, it was I think 150 thousand or so off budget, which I thought was pretty close. Do you have a number? Sure. Uh, 104 thousand. So is that a kiss or a snake? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> Well, th then the other thing that confuses me is we, you report that our our collections were great, yeah. But at the same time, right, the amount of money we owe to the county has gone up. So, it just seems inconsistent that the amount we owe to the county has gone up in total when our collections have been great. How, how does that happen? Da, 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 da. Well, they were they were above budget by you know, uh, I think we we're 108 percent, so probably three or four million dollars. Um, it, it did, it looked, just looking at the graph, it looks to me like the, the balance went down in July. We're talking about July, not August. So. No, I, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's uh, uh, difficult to uh, develop an overall trend of where we're going when we have inputs that are not clear. Okay. And to the extent they could be clear, like profit, was one hundred and five thousand dollars under budget or whatever? Went, if you're going to mm -hmm. say seven twenty-five, uh -huh. and also if if the amount we owe to the county has gone up, I think it would be helpful if we had an explanation why it happened when when our collections have been so good, so outstanding. Okay, yeah, I can, I can use specific numbers in the future. Uh, on the balance sheet, the uh, the gross loan. Um, decreased from 160 million down to 154 in July, so it did go down. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that. I, I, I think, sorry, Trustee Barney. I think uh, I'm not sure this thing is on. Uh, actually, in the last month, as a result of having a, a favorable var uh, variance, although not what we wanted from a budget perspective, the actual debt for the month went down. So, so there is a correlation between the two. Mm -hmm. It may, it's tougher to see here because you have so many months sort of crunched together. Um, but, but your comment that the debt went up uh, when we made money was, is, is actually slightly off. The debt went down a little bit in the month that we did mm -hmm. have a positive variance. I don't know if you can, if that's clear from this graph, just because again, the data points are so close together. Okay. Does that, does that answer your question? No, it doesn't. Well, let's move on. Sure. Okay. Okay, let me cover uh, accounts payable. So the trend's been really good here. We've paid down a lot of debt. We were, we're at $40 million 
Here we've gone down to 6.9 there. This is the detail of the 6.9. Uh, so over 120, we've got uh, 870,000 over 90 buckets, 784. So we're, we're really current. I consider ourselves current. Uh, we're one of the Med Assets Better Two initiatives is to uh, work with our primary, one of our primary vendors, Cardinal, uh, and work out a um, actually a discount for early payment, more timely payment, of, and reduce expenses by about a million dollars a year. So um, we're almost almost have that one done. A million. A million dollars. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next one's contract. So we're, we're uh, that's later in the agenda. Um, first of all, let me just stop and see if there's any other questions before we go to the uh, presentations. We I think we're going to have some really enjoyable, um, fun listening to some of our uh, top managers talk about what they've been doing uh, to um, yeah. uh, improve operations. I, yeah, I, I think we're running a bit over, um, but... One thing, just a, an operational question. Um, this is a great report. Is it possible to include it in the packet as it goes out? Yeah, we could, you know, and, and the only reason I didn't is I wanted, uh, my intent was to have it separate so that people could look at them okay. both. And I thought they were both going to be published and there was a communication okay. error, so it was my fault. But, all right, so uh, let's, we'll, yeah, we'll, but that would be great if we just I, get I'm them all I'm happy to just put it right in. Together, and, and, okay. And, uh, that's fine. Um, yeah. I think maybe one thing on the, you don't have to go back to the graph on the cash flow mm -hmm. um, or on the uh, loan draw, maybe that's the better way to put it. Um, I, I wonder if it would be helpful for some of like the big, like the, the, the big money, like the, the big dollar items where the timing is uncertain. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it might be worthwhile to either show where that occurs in the graph or at least list them out somewhere just so we kind of have or keeping track of that notionally yeah I can, I can do that and I'm, I'm yeah. wondering if I shouldn't do a uh, educational session on the cash forecast yeah, it might be a good time. idea this is this is a big deal yeah it is yeah. a big deal that's a good idea okay um, Great. and um, yeah we should include a discussion of balance sheet and cash flow because I was thinking that's not okay one question okay um, in the in your dashboard, the summary that you gave mm -hmm. for Fairmont Hospital, the supplemental revenue was m minus seventy. Or so, um, so is that a cyclical thing? So now it's in the red. Yeah, I think it's uh, that's probably something that'll work out uh, during the year. The exact timing of things. Um, I, I, it didn't particularly bother me. There's nothing that fundamentally changed at Fairmont that uh, will cause them not to receive the supplemental revenue that we expect. It's just timing. So. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Um, I think we have our uh, chief information officer up next. And welcome. Thank you. And. Thank you for preparing a nice report for us here. Yeah, the, the intent of through. this was from our July meeting, you asked me yep. to come back with a reporting calendar proposal yeah. that we could discuss and look at how we might um, continue in the future to understand and update on what's happening within the information services area. Mm -hmm. So this is my proposal uh, that we look at uh, quarterly reporting. Uh, I saw in, the, in David's um, 
reporting calendar for the entire committee that showed every month reports and we can discuss that whether you think a, a more brief report every month is better or having these quarterly uh, more extensive reports is, is more mm -hmm. worthwhile. As we look through the topics here, I think we can make that decision. Um, my thought was that we'd have the standardized reporting elements that would come forward each month. On projects greater than a million dollars, we discuss what's happening with those, are they on track? Uh, I think it lines up well with what you talked about with, with reviewing big contracts that get signed. Mm -hmm. As we move, uh, since the IS uh, projects tend to be progressive things, I think updates on a, on a monthly or quarterly basis on those large projects is worthwhile and help to understand is the change happening as expected that we'll see the outcomes we expect along the way. Uh, meaningful use was something I thought we'd add because that's something that does take uh, significant effort and as well has financial impacts on the organization, whether it's incentive funds received or penalties received because of not meeting the thresholds of, of meeting meaningful use from a Medicare perspective and then sharing what that means uh, to the organization on those. Uh, others than, then would be special topics and, and having an educational component, much as, as Dave has talked about on, on bringing mm -hmm. things forward. Uh, and in the next slides, I talked about what we might want to talk about in those and get suggestions from the board then on, on what you feel would be um, appropriate educational items to talk about. Okay. So, so do you want to go through those first and then come back to the question on quarterly versus monthly? Yeah, let me just okay. go through the whole well, thing. Do that. Yeah. Uh, then here then were things I suggested as a special topic. You know we've got this issue with uh, Cerner acquisition of Siemens, uh, the Sorian product being given an end of life of 10 years, but more realistically, uh, they've already told us they're not going to carry the Sorian Amatory product forward, so we know that to get to our strategic goal of having a single integrated health record across the continuum, uh, the Sorian platform will not get us there. That road no longer gets to where we want to go. Uh, and so that question uh, will yeah. be coming forward to the board on as we continue our evaluation of what do we do uh, long-term to solve this problem and also what do we do on a short-term basis uh, as issues come up like the OR. Uh, the OR systems at, uh, at our various hospitals are um, really inadequate to run the operation effectively. Paper-based systems at both San Leandro and Alameda uh, a, an outdated OR system here at Highland that's affecting operations in the ORs, but then how do we address that issue? So I think I see that as a key issue facing IT and a short-term planning question we'll have to answer. Uh, Jim, I, I'd like to ask you a clarifying yeah. question. Uh, are you talking about topics that you want to present to the board as a whole or topics that the Finance Committee are going to discuss in more depth, in part because mm -hmm. it, it, if they are significant topics, then we don't want the majority of the board to be on the outside of the information. And nor do we want to take the time of, of the other four of us to hear this thing twice. Mm -hmm. So in your discussion here, and the short and long term, it's helpful in my view if you say, you know, we're, we can keep this at the Finance Committee because you're going to have a in-depth and you're going to do a recommendation to the board at a later point. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, that one of my concerns has been, and I've expressed it pretty clearly, that we have some members who have no knowledge and others who have a great deal, and that's just not fair to the collective. Yeah. And so I need you to think through that as you guys talk about it. Okay, that's, no, that's a fair comment. And I think, I mean, a lot of this is all for the first time. I mean, the, yeah, no, the, no, you know, just so that you. Yeah, and you know, I think the answer is, you know, some of these things will be more in depth. Some will be, you know what, let's 
let's have the entire board look at it. Um, yeah, I think there's certainly a point as we get to the strategic direction on it, what do we do with the soaring replacement, that's a full board discussion, uh, clearly. And the Finance Committee will have more in-depth understanding of all of that. The full board will get the full presentation on here are the alternatives, here's our decision processes, here's our recommendation, or here's our points for consideration with the full board. I'm not trying to apply at all that this wouldn't go to the full board on things of that magnitude. Um, and then uh, the last one I put here is the overall project portfolio, just understanding for the finance committee to say what is the magnitude of activities that are happening with throughout, throughout AHS that involve IT with them. So the magnitude of um, what, what's the impact of the ATR on IS as we build the infrastructure to support that hospital uh, what does that mean to us in terms of the man hours and efforts going into that just to get a better understanding of what's happening with the how resources are allocated across uh, for IT across the organization. Um, and then I thought as special educational elements, I, I would bring these things forward. Uh, at, at last meeting, we talked a bit about meaningful use and, and as I presented that and we talked about it, um, as, as I prepared that report, I thought, gosh, in, in a written document, you know, I could produce a 100-page document on meaningful use to give you the full breadth and depth of understanding of everything happening, but that wasn't going to happen in a report. And, and so I felt it was really inadequate uh, to give you the breadth of understanding that I think the board should have over what meaningful use really means in terms of incentives and penalties, who's in, who's out, who gets to participate, and who doesn't. So I thought meaningful use would be a good one to bring back uh, for a specific presentation on and educate the board on that function. Now, whether that needs to be a full board presentation or a finance committee, I think that's what we can discuss and see where, where, where you want that type of presentation to happen, really on each of these. Uh, the second one, I, I want to discuss with the, with the board what we put together is our enablement structure. How do we make things happen? What's the priorities we set? How do resources get allocated? So that you understand what is the participation of our stakeholders in the process of how things get done. Uh, where do we put our money? Where do we put our people? How does time get spent across that? and have the board have um, understanding and, and guidance on that if you think things need to be different. And then the third one there on the education is just understanding the whole thing. Uh, th this is a complex machine and I'd like to bring forward and help uh, make it less complex in the understanding so that you understand the underlying architecture, not the details mm -hmm. of how many servers and how our switches and firewalls work but just what does it look like? What's the complexity of that process? And so it, it reduces the, uh, the black box nature of IT uh, so that we look at the application portfolio, how many different applications are we supporting across the, the five facilities, uh, the, the five hospitals we have and the clinics that support all of that and make it all happen. So those are my thoughts on what I would bring forward, at least at this point on educational elements, probably over the next uh, year in the presentations, if, if we go quarterly, uh, probably still, if we go quarterly that, or even month to month, this would probably be over a year type of process. Yeah. I think my initial feeling, and chime in everyone, is I think we prob it's probably going to be helpful for you to come. There's a lot of material here. Um, so I think probably coming every month is, is a worthwhile thing. Not necessarily covering all, every single right. topic, but coming every month is going to be helpful. Um, personally, I think that a great place to start would be let's take a look at the let's take a look at the plan. You know, what is the IT plan? And um, and I think that's going to help us think through. You know, what are the things that need to be dealt with at the full board? Um, 
you know, what are things that need and what are things that need to be dealt with in a more granular basis, you know, here in the committee. Um, and if that's the only thing you do in October, that would be fabulous, probably. Okay. Um, anyone else have a? is part of the strategy as much, mm -hmm. and we get sometimes think yeah. of ideas, support, and it's so much more than that. So it's that we need to go from here to there, yeah. and it's forecasting, it's planning, it's, you know, so intertwined with the strategy overall. So yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, you know, I, you know, IT's gone from being this, uh, you know, manager-level department in the, in the accounting shop 40 years ago to, you know, report to its own organization now, but um, go ahead, Michelle. Well, I, I was just going to say that as, you know, thinking through the allocation of the budget, and if David's saying we're going to start looking at that in the first part of January or February, and the, the big elephant here is whether or not we want to spend that six, how many millions, was, yeah, what I, was it? A hundred to three hundred. That's million. right. That's that it was. It was at. that kind of money. Uh, yeah. I remember it wasn't. Yeah. So I mean, that seems to me to be a huge philosophical conversation. And so the timing of when are you intending to broach that um, and build up to that conversation seems to me to be a really probably a more powerful discussion than some of the other issues that are here. And, and probably today my biggest takeaway, and this is not demeaning in any respect, is that I learned that attesting is a transitive verb. I had no idea what attesting meant. And so I spent with three dictionaries going through to figure <laughs> out what attesting meant. So I have read your materials. Yes. Um, what yes. are these? Um, so I, I've... I've shared with you at your at your place there some of the uh, things we're doing to raise ICD-10 awareness. ICD-10 is activates on October 1st, um, just a few short weeks away, and so we've, we these items are being used to raise awareness to get uh, people through the education and training that we have. So uh, we just finished an ICD-10 steering committee today, and we, we're we're very much on track for getting there. There's a couple items that still are left that we have uh, cautions on that are still yellow in our in our status report. Uh, but we have very high confidence that we'll, we'll get those things completed so that we will cross the threshold on October 1st and be ready for ICD-10. Um, there are many physician trainings going on, physician and other staff that need to do coding within ICD-10 uh, to get that work done. Just as a reminder, in ICD-9 uh, that was put in place in 1979, there are 13,000 codes. In ICD-10, there are 68,000 codes. And so there, there's very much more specificity on uh, right and left and others. And, and just to share with you some of the important codes that are acted, here are some of the flyers we have out. Uh, this code is for struck by a turtle. Uh, this code is for unspecified balloon accident injuring occupant subsequent encounter. Uh, we have <laughs> struck by a turkey initial encounter, uh, which means they're struck by a turtle turkey subsequent encounter. Uh, contact with a powered kitchen appliance is a code. Uh, we have a code for injured in a chicken coop. Uh, and finally, a code for uh, problems with the in-laws is an actual code that's in the ICD-10 manual. So those are the, the amounts of specificity that our physicians and caregivers would need to get through during their documentation. Do we get collection for Yes. That there is specific payments based on each one of these codes. Well, should we show a hands of how many have trouble with their in-laws and just <laughs> get... 
collected here. I mean, that's amazing. Don't, don't, don't do it. Um, this is on the record. This is, yeah, this is being recorded. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. Well, it's um, it's it's great that the folks at um. At, at the ICD-10 have done such a comprehensive yeah. job. Uh, and these are, it is a worldwide classification system, so it's, this yeah. is not just our piece of this. It, it is worldwide. Well, I mean, I, I've certainly had I, I difficulties in chicken coops, but, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wow. wow. All right. Um, okay. Th thank, oh. <laughs> thank you. And we'll have a report next month on how it went. Good. So. Well, thank you. Good job on this, and we'll look Thanks. forward to the, and, um, it, w it was pointed um, pointed out to me that um, a couple of people were asking, "Who's the handsome chap sitting here?" And um, <laughs> um, so um, this is uh, Delvecchio Finley, our new CEO. <laughs> uh, so um, it's entirely up to you. <laughs> then I yield the balance of my time, sir. <laughs> Okay, so we're up to uh, operating reports. I think we're going to yeah, make a slight change to the agenda. Right. We're going to have uh, a Highland outpatient pharmacy team first, and then revenue cycle, and then metrics, and then permanent agreement, right? Yes. Okay, so uh, come on up, guys. <clears throat> I'd like to introduce uh, Doug Del Paggio and Daniel Wynn from Pharmacy. They have come up with a humdinger of... Um, idea and we're implementing it and we thought it was significant enough that you should hear about it so um, right, nice to meet everybody here right, good afternoon I, everyone thanks for coming and um, we have a clicker oh great and good job in advance this is exciting stuff if you come back every month with deals like this we're going to be <laughs> we'll, so, we'll, we'll, we'll buy you a fruit salad okay <laughs> So we're going to do a little uh, primer, some definitions first. I'm going to talk about what specialty pharmacy is. I'm going to talk about what our specialty clinics are here at the Highland Campus. I'm going to talk about what the 340B drug discount program is, so you have a little bit of an understanding of all those. And then we'll talk about some of the changes that we've implemented in our outpatient pharmacy, which is on K3, uh, right under the ED. Specialty pharmacy is really... Uh, the drugs now that are being prescribed to patients going to specialty clinics. And here at the Highland Campus, we have many, many specialty clinics. We have the AIC, the Adult Immunology Clinic on the seventh floor, 900 HIV clients there. We have Rheumatology Clinic, Neurology Clinic, Hep C Clinic. And the specialty drugs prescribed for patients in these clinics are very, very expensive. Uh, the most expensive right now are the Hepatitis C drugs. They're $1,000 a tablet. So those are the drugs that you don't want to drop. Uh, one bottle of 30 tablets is essentially $30,000. And they'll do about a three-month treatment for about a total of $90,000. So we see many of these clients, many of these patients here at the Highland Campus, these patients aren't getting their medications filled in our pharmacy historically. So I've been with the system now 18 months. Danny's been here now for about five months. And what we've been working on is transforming our outpatient pharmacy, which is on K3. Uh, notoriously, there was poor service. It took four to five hours to fill a prescription. Um, we've gone in and worked on all that to be competitive with the Walgreens, the CVS, where all of our patients on these specialty drugs get their medications filled. Well, why are we doing that? That's because we're part, as a dish hospital, 
One of the benefits is being eligible for the 340B drug discount program. What is that and what does that mean? That means we can purchase drugs at 50% off what retail pharmacies can purchase them for and charge the same price to the insurers and keep the difference. So for that drug that's $1,000 a tablet, we can purchase that at $500 a tablet, but still charge $1,000 a tablet and keep $500. Whereas CVS and Walgreens would purchase that at maybe $950 a tablet and keep $50. Now that's the benefit of being a disproportionate share hospital. Uh, historically, AHS has not taken advantage of this at all. So it's kept our costs down for our uninsured patients here at the hospital, but we've not taken advantage of pharmacy services and providing specialty pharmacy services, which is really high touch. This means you work closer with patients, you work closer with the docs and the clinics, you work closer with the insurers. If you're taking a medication that's going to cost $90,000 for three months for your hepatitis C, your insurer wants to make sure you take every tablet, and they're requiring specialty pharmacies to do medication counts, to work much more closely with patients, to call them at home, to meet with them. And these are some of the services that we're implementing in the pharmacy as I speak now. So this is just an example of some of the drugs, specialty drugs, um, the cost here at Highland, and the revenue that's, uh, that comes back uh, from the different insurers. And it really depends on the insurers. So this is a this is an example of our average HIV patient that we'll see in adult immunology clinic or AIC, and so they'll be prescribed a uh, antiretroviral and maybe some other uh, medications as well. In this example, we use insulin, and each patient each um, treatment is about sixty thousand dollars per year, and where we our profit margins uh, are about thirty thousand or twenty four thousand that we calculated with including the residual medications and their core antiretroviral therapy. So those 900 patients, depending on their insurance, can average about $24,000 per profit per year per patient, which is a significant amount of profit per patient. So yeah. right now, as I mentioned, there are 900 patients up in our AIC clinic. We have four. The rest of them are being serviced by other specialty pharmacies here in the Oakland area because of the high profit margin. And they offer things that we previously have never offered before, delivery, um, medication and blister packs, and again, more high-touch services. And that's what we want to bring to our pharmacy here so we can start attracting these patients back. And there's a benefit for the insurers for these patients to be seen here because we can be part of the continuum of care. When you are insurer, as I mentioned before, you have to coordinate the physician, the patient, the pharmacy, it's much easier to do that when you're on one campus, when you have one integrated record, and we're all in communication together. And we know, my pharmacists know all of the doctors up in our specialty clinics, and we work with them all the time. So what we've done is some projections looking at the AIC clinic, and as I mentioned, there's a total of uh, 898 patients, they're almost 900. And you can see here that the cost of the medication, the gross charges to the insurer, if we took all 900 of those patients, would bring us $8 million. Specialty drugs, it's a little bit more complex with specialty drugs because you have some specialty drugs like Hep C that are $1,000 a tablet, but you're only on them for three months. And then you have drugs for rheumatology or for psychiatric disorders or other neurological disorders that people take the rest of their lives. 
and the cost differences is vast. So we took a very conservative average uh, on these medications and looking at about 500 patients in specialty care and bringing them to the Highland Outpatient Pharmacy would bring in $2.6 million. What we are in the progress of changing as I speak now is we're working to bring in delivery services so we can deliver twice a day for our patients. So not all patients, as you know, this campus is difficult to park on. People have difficulty getting here. So we are providing delivery to them in their home twice a day and have that available to them. In addition, our delivery services that we're contracting through a third party independent contractor will provide same day deliveries. So if they get medications in the morning and they have to go home immediately, uh, that medication can be delivered to them at night at that same time for Alameda County, which is a significant competitive advantage compared to any other pharmacy, including other independent pharmacies. One of our clinical pharmacists will be um, working up on the AIC clinic to start working closer with the prescribers, the nurses, and the patients. And we'll start engaging those patients and over time being able to refer those patients down to our pharmacy. In addition, we've also addressed a barrier of care that um, insurances have put up, so something called a prior authorization. More and more these days, the insurances require documentation of why patients need this therapy or what they've tried and failed before they've got to this level of medication. And so these are, this is a very time-consuming process that a lot of other pharmacies can't support. And those specialty pharmacies that do do it, they um, really have to relay communication to a physician, which, way, which may delay care inevitably. And so with a comprehensive medical record at Alameda, uh, at Alameda Health Systems, we're able to look into their labs, their notes, and send it directly from the pharmacy. And oftentimes, we streamline this process by a week of care. And my clinical pharmacists, my team of clinical pharmacists are really physician extenders. Uh, they see uh, patients, the physicians will hand off those patients to my pharmacist. My pharmacist will then see the patient, will refer the patient out, uh, under protocols will prescribe medications. That opens up the physician and the capacity to see more patients. And that's really evident, for example, in our hep C clinic here. Right now, our physicians are backed up seeing our hepatitis C patients. Uh, they uh, may see a patient and it takes them two months to get the patient back in to a slot to start the medication. Uh, with pharmacy services involved, we'll be able to turn them around in seven to ten days, much quicker. So this isn't just going to happen all at once. This is uh, as a project that we're undergoing a transformation. Uh, we'll have a, a rolling enrollment with these patients over the next three months. Uh, we've slated November 1st for our AIC clinic to get things started up there officially as our kickoff. Uh, we're slowly rolling in uh, patients on specialty medications as I speak, and again, looking for a, a larger kickoff maybe with hep C patients come November 1st also. For hep C patients, we have a competitive advantage in the marketplace in that we've, we've been negotiating with Alameda Alliance to be the exclusive provider for hepatitis C care for all Highland or all, all of Alameda Health System patients. So um, they won't be able, no other pharmacy will be able to bill their medication except for our pharmacy, which provides kind of exclusivity to the marketplace for all hep C treatment, which is uh, we project will be in the millions, so this is very significant. And the, again, the insurer is very interested in this because we're integrated, and they know that patients will get better services. Any questions at all? So the mind just boggles. I know you 
guys are new, but being a dish hospital, is it because of the high touch that we haven't done this before? I just presume that our pharmacy was dispensing uh, with all the specialty clinics that we have, that we were dispensing these uh, <clears throat> high-value... Um, um, you know, I, I wasn't here, obviously. I think it's really that... Um, um, the, the advantage of having people come in from the outside is they've seen it done elsewhere and they bring new ideas. And uh, we, as a management team, we've certainly encouraged people to step up uh, with uh, good ideas. So. And it's a very competitive market. Uh, again, we do dispense 340B medications. Our outpatient pharmacy only has 340B medications, which means we can't service anyone from, uh, doesn't get services on this campus with a provider over at John George. Uh, so they have to get services here because we're at an unfair advantage to a CVS or Walgreens. They can't come in off the street. The downside has been that the level of service provided by the outpatient pharmacy hasn't met the standards of other specialty pharmacies. So the patients and their physicians have chosen not to come here. What we found, though, is our physicians really do want to send their patients here, and actually patients do want to come here, and they want to get their meds on this campus. Uh, but that's never been a possibility before. Okay. Um, so where did you guys come from? <laughs> so I came from San Diego. I've helped create two specialty pharmacies. And so um, my background is that I've done uh, HIV work um, for the hospitals down there. Mm -hmm. And we've collaborated. And, um, you know, for example, if you pick up 100 HIV patients on a retail level, you can make $6 million in profit. And so um, when I heard the opportunity to kind of expand our services here, it was... Uh, such a needed gap in care that we had here that it was a great opportunity. And I'm just thrilled Danny took the position um, for our outpatient pharmacy. It's been actually a lot of fun, a lot of stress, but a lot of fun. Where did you come I, from? I, actually, I came from Hel Alameda County Healthcare Service Agency. Okay. I was the director of pharmacy there for about 18 years, wow. uh, and I jumped ship to come here about 18 months ago. Okay, welcome. Congratulations. Yeah. So, how do you, so how do you I, I think it's one thing to say, okay, you know, it's, it sounds like so many of our patients are currently going somewhere else, Walgreens, whatever, for the stuff. And I, I think it's one thing to say, hey, so we're going to bring them in, but how are you going to how are you going to educate all these patients that this is a better deal for them? That's a very That's good a question. question, and I think we've started already. Part of that has been we've started meeting with our providers. <laughs> Uh, so we started meeting with our providers to talk to them about the changes in pharmacy and that sending a person to our pharmacy on K3 uh, doesn't mean they're going to wait there four to five hours. Uh, their turn our turnaround times were 17 minutes, 30 minutes, uh, an hour, much, much shorter than historically what they're used to. Um, and then talking to them about what some of the gaps they're experiencing with pharmacies. You've got to remember that our physicians are, are, are burdened with a lot of patients. Uh, they don't have a lot of administrative support. And pharmacy now requires prior authorization and paperwork and approvals <clears throat> that the physicians take them away from seeing patients. And it's hard to coordinate that with a pharmacy that's down the street or in Minnesota or across the country on a different time zone. And that's what they're doing. So what ends up happening is our patients don't get their meds. Our, they get a call late at night. Our doctors get very stressed out. Um, and, and things aren't routine. And so those are the issues that they've identified that we can help fill that gap. Uh, and my staff can do that. So we, um, one, that was a great question. What we focus on is strategic placement of a pharmacist. And so we decided that we were going to put a pharmacist in the clinic. So as soon as they see the physician, 
they'll immediately schedule an appointment with the nursing and they'll talk to the pharmacist when they do a med medication reconciliation. And at that time, if it's, they have chronic medications that they're already on, our, pharma our outpatient pharmacy can run the medication up to the floor on the clinic. And at that time, they can also pick up their medication. So they'll get their clinic visit and they'll get the medication at that time. So there's really no loss. Um, there's no missteps that the patient can have because they'll, they'll see the physician and medication will be in hand immediately, which is above like significantly better than any hospital can provide care because you'll have access to physician and access to medication immediately. We're also working with Jerry Randup to put together some marketing material uh, for patients um, with acronyms to make it easy for them to see that there's some changes some differences and that we can provide the level of support or, or services that they're used to getting at a specialty pharmacy. Actually, that was my question about your marketing plan and who's helping you do this. And so are you getting support? And then how many, how many people are involved, your, your department, how many are involved in moving this forward? It, it, I mean, not only financially does it help us, but the services to our patients. And it is just so much better if we can do this. So historically, the community outreach has been provided by these pharmacies. They've provided education um, lunches, um, they provided um, financial support for these patients, and we've decided uh, with the support of uh, Alameda Health Systems that um, we can provide these services in-house, and we've, uh, when we did a proposal, we did it, um, we asked for an allocated budget to provide education to these patients, so now on Tuesdays, Mondays and Thursdays, there'll be a class for them to come have lunch and also get education, so there'll be a significant community outreach attached to this program also for very good publicity and and how many you're doing how many of you are actually feet on the ground making sure. this so happen? you know the operation here at Highland is very large you don't know this because we're in the basement but I have 60 staff here at Highland 30 are inpatient for the inpatient pharmacy 30 for outpatient um, and I have clinical pharmacists pharmacy technicians the outpatient pharmacy is about 30 folks I'm working on this project myself as the director, Danny is the outpatient manager, Diana Tamron is one of my inpatient managers, Priya Patel and one of my other managers. We're really all working on this as well as John Chapman. And so this opens up to the door of, you know, we discussed HIV and adult immunology clinic, but this also applies to MS and neuro, this applies to hepatitis C, so it applies to the broad range of specialty disease states and uh, this accounts for a significant amount of drug spending currently in the U.S. Great. Great presentation, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Would you guys mind coming back in about six months to tell us how it's going? Yes, absolutely. Good. Enjoy Thanks. <laughs> Trustees, while, while the next group comes up, I just thought I'd add parenthetically that um, the 340B program of which these gentlemen are uh, referencing uh, is one that uh, has been in, in the limelight not necessarily in a great way in, in recent uh, months uh, because there is a sort of a, uh, a proliferation of uh, the types of organizations. So usually DISH hospitals uh, are, are the ones who were sort of originally intended for this program, but there have been a lot of organizations that have been able through their pharmacies to create what are called child sites, kind of like, you know, uh, wholly owned groups under them, and extend this program to a much larger population. So the pharmaceutical industry is, is tremendously concerned about their loss in revenue because they, uh, they figure, of course, they're charging a lot for pharmaceuticals, yeah. but they figure there's a larger proportion of the population who's taking advantage of this. So Congress is uh, um, examining it very closely, and that gives pause to a lot of us as safety net organizations about the implications for um, access to continued programs like this in the future. So we'll be monitoring that and keeping you apprised of how that's going.
see. And I, I think. So David and I were uh, talking about the um, agenda today, and if, if you like the last presentation, you'll love this one. So okay, with, with All that, right. um, and Hopefully. and I think um, one of, one of the objectives here is to um, give you know a number of members of your team a chance to um, yes. shine and take a bow. Um, yes, the people are actually doing the work. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so we're having some technical difficulties getting the uh, presentation up, but uh, Susanna, do you have it? Can you get it to Dave? If not, I can get on my computer and send it to him right now. Let me just do that. Should we take a, Dave, should we take a five-minute quickie break? Sure. Yeah. Why don't we take a five-minute break and... Um, we're running over schedule. Let's take a five-minute break anyway. <laughs> you guys ready? Everybody ready? Okay. Uh, we're very happy to be presenting a uh, uh, thorough discussion of the revenue cycle tonight. <clears throat> um, we've got uh, quite a few people who are very excited to be here. Uh, I'd like to introduce, first of all, our VP of Revenue Cycle, Don Wright, uh, who's the uh, operational leader. And then I'd like to introduce uh, Samir Panchal from Freed Associates, who's the project manager on the Revenue Cycle Improvement Program. Got a variety of other people that uh, you're going to be hearing from, but I also want to uh, thank, not on the list here, Dave Gravender, the whole ID team, uh, Rose Kim, uh, Elaine Cavadius. Um, now, um, so let me give you the background. So when I arrived here in July 2014, we, we knew we had a problem, and there was a proposal to uh, bring in a uh, national firm to do a complete re revenue cycle restructure. It was going to cost somewhere between 20 and $25 million. Uh, we looked at it uh, and said, gee, why don't we take a, take a shot at doing this internally? Um, I asked for some resources, which the, uh, the board approved. Um, the uh, target on the program was 15 to $20 million. Uh, we have spent uh, external resources. We spent about a million with uh, Siemens Cerner on uh, IT support for uh, rebuilding the system. And we uh, are just completing a $2.1 million project with Freed and Associates. Um, over the last year, the, the, the entire project has generated about $20 million. Uh, we believe the efforts that Freed has led has generated the 15, the $15 million. So I'd like to first give um, Samir an opportunity to uh, talk about uh, what they've done. Great. Thank you, David. So I think many of you know, uh, Freed was engaged last year um, in August of 2014 to basically stabilize and optimize the revenue cycle here at Alameda. And as part of that, we worked with AHS leadership to identify five critical projects um, that would have the highest impact to the organization. Um, so the first, it was the denials management project. And that was really twofold. One was to clean up a set of old denials and also creation of a brand new denials unit within the PFS organization. And with that, we've seen about a return of almost uh, $4.3 million. Um, so in, in the initial in, uh, investment, that was almost a 10.5 times return. Second project was a PFS restructure. So when we came in, we realized that the, the PFS department needed to be reorganized and focused on high-dollar claims and, and consistently doing follow-up. And on that return, we've seen almost $3.5 million. 
third project was a UR optimization project where we um, cleaned up the EBU and were working concurrent denials. So most of these denials were not being worked. Um, and we optimized the process in UR. And we've seen almost $3.5 million return on that. In patient access, we created an um, authorization unit and trained patient access staff on their most critical errors that they're um, conducting. And that led to almost $2.8 million. And the last was an OR, where we optimized the OR charge capture and reduced their late charges. Um, and that's yielded almost a million dollars now. Great. Thanks, Samir. Um, next, one of the things we did was build in uh, some key metrics. So we wanted uh, uh, Don to talk about where we were then, where we are now. Thanks, David. Got it. Uh, comparing our cash collections, uh, this is our from operations AR cash and fiscal year uh, 2014 uh, we brought in 190 million dollars uh, after the RCIP project started for fiscal year 15 um, 314 million dollars a 65 percent increase and I think this is particularly noteworthy because Actually, the RCIP project, as you see from some of the dates here, we really didn't uh, kick into high gear until January of this year. Um, so in a matter of uh, a half a year, uh, almost, uh, we've seen these kind of results. Uh, AR days, um, 102 days uh, before RCIP, and we're down to 77 days. That's a 24% decrease. And AR days is one of the key uh, indicators of accounts receivable performance. Uh, AR dollars, that's the uh, unpaid dollars on our existing accounts receivable. Uh, when I arrived here in October of last year, I, it was about 525 million. And currently, it's right around 380 million. That's a 28% decrease. EBU, uh, these are unbilled claims uh, held by uh, our Sorian system because of incorrect or missing data elements. Um, 92 million were being held last year. Uh, currently, we're right around $28 million, a 70% decrease. Uh, denials unit, uh, Samir just mentioned, uh, 4.35. Uh, five million recovered to date. Or lag days, these are the days from the date of service until a charge is entered in the system. And tied into this, of course, is late charge activity. That's the second or uh, the seventh item on the list. Uh, we reduced uh, from nine days to two days, a 78% decrease. Our late charges reduced from 18% to seven, a 72% decrease. RevCore, this was the uh, IT uh, reporting improvement project. Um, when I arrived here last October, the, we had minimal reports coming out of the system. Very difficult to manage uh, accounts receivable about, without meaningful reports. Now we have 600 plus reports plus uh, data cubes, and these uh, reports are growing, uh, I think, every day. Uh, very useful tools. Uh, Nine IS requests from the RCIP project. Uh, these are uh, 
basically requests for service tickets. Uh, we had a backlog of 250 requests. Uh, back in January, they dropped to 27, which is significant. Uh, it takes a team effort between uh, user community and the IT technical staff to prioritize tickets and work together as a team to get resolution. Outpatient Hospital OS, um, this is a project that began in January and continues. Uh, to date, we've seen a return of 0.7 million, and we're on track for 2 million annualized, and uh, this OS unit is going to continue to grow with more departments that we're gonna service and uh, we're very excited about the possibilities of this work unit. Thanks, Don. Okay, now we'd like you to hear from some of the people who've actually done the work, some of our key leaders. Uh, we asked each of them to, to answer three questions. What was it like prior to RCIP? What have you accomplished during the process? And what do you plan to accomplish next year? The first up is, these are our, our employees. This is April Bass. Uh, Director of Patient Access. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Mr. CEO. Welcome. <laughs> what was it like prior to the RCIP? Bleep! <laughs> That's the word that I've been told I can use. So it was bleep. Um, we spent hours and hours and hours here trying to get things out of a computer so that we could get claims out of the door. And there was no end and no resolution in sight. So it was like, bleep! <laughs> what have we accomplished in the RCP, RCIP? My team and I, who came to support me, um, we've accomplished some awesome, awesome things. Thank you to my team. We have reduced our EBU, that's four times guy, um, from in January, our EBU for patient access errors, um, whether they be system or human errors, we had over 3,500 errors, um, resulting in $4.2 million. David and Don gave us a challenge with BART um, that we had, to, we had to decrease that $3, $3 million in three weeks' time, and we became superhuman, and we did it. We're waiting on our lobster dinner. Um, so we did some awesome things. As you can see there, the slide, I've updated it. To date, there's 108 errors, totaling 223,000, and most of that needs to be pushed out because those are diagnosis-related errors that really don't belong to me and my team. Gotta right. get those out. Um, we've implemented the authorization unit, as you've heard, and we've done some wonderful things in the infusion services where, um, or if I know what infusion services is, right, pharmacy related. We were getting, there was zero, the hospital was getting zero authorizations prior to this unit opening. And we have received a, an approval of 1,100, um, I'm sorry, 400 approvals for infusion services with a less than 1% denial. For our outpatient surgery, um, we've done 28, we've submitted 2,800 authorization requests with a less than 10% denial rate. And we've rolled out um, authorization services for our radiology department. We're doing CT and, CT and MRI at this time. We've done about 1,100 authorization requests. We look to roll out some more in radiology for the nu nuclear medicine. And then we will be rolling out services in, in our um, GI lab and our ther 
three departments within the next 30 to 60 days. Isn't that great? Yes. Okay, that's great. Um, let's see. What do I hope to plan? What do I plan to accomplish in the next year? Uh, my team and I we're working now on reducing and monitoring eligibility errors. That's insurance denials to make sure the insurance is correct when it's entered entered initially. And we've done that. We've um, put together and rolled out a really aggressive training program. I've hired a new training manager. And so we're looking to decrease eligibility errors and we're going to get some money because we're going to increase co-pays and deductibles system-wide. Isn't that great? Yes. All right. Thank you very much. Anybody have any questions? Thank you, April. Thank huh? you. Go get the money. It's about the money. Okay. Uh, next up, we're going to hear from Susie Mandel, who is our Director of Utilization Management and Case Management. Hi, good evening, and I'm Susie Mandel. I'm the Interim Director for Utilization Care Management. Um, and so today I'll be spending about three minutes on my slide. Um, so in terms of the focus of utilization review, we want to assure cost-effective uh, utilization of uh, hospital resources for optimal patient care. Uh, what we do is that we review all the admissions and all the inpatient stays, and we work with the payer to get authorization so that we can bill. Uh, so in terms of the EBU, I know you guys can be hearing the word EBU a lot. It basically stands for Encounter Billing Exception Workless. Basically anything that we missing something that you can't bill for some reason. So for my department, it's authorization. So before the revenue cycle improvement plan, we could not figure out why there are so many cases and what the exact reasons are. And by the fact that we don't know, we can't give it to the right department to fix it. So um, our EBU was averaging 15 mil on a weekly basis. Um, and also, there was no denial appeal process that were tracked and trended on a regular basis. Um, so what have we accomplished since the Revenue Cycle Improvement Program? What we did was that we streamlined the process. We looked at the work list, um, you know, micro, microly look at the process really well to a point where we have reduced our our uh, EBU amount to 16 million to, that was in April, to uh, 6.9 million in June. So as for July and August, we continue to look at the process and we saw that there's additional improvement that we can do. Uh, some of which are um, looking at cross-training staff, uh, hiring additional physician advisor to help us with reviewing those cases that are complex, and designating one person to help us monitor and track these EBU um, cases. And the other thing, uh, what we did was, um, uh, in terms of adding the doctors and so forth, we were able to uh, have the peer reviews from physician, our physician, to the payer physician. So we have we create a better work um, relationship, uh, and and looking at the contracts that we have with the with the payer. Um, so that's something that we're working on. And in terms of what we're going to want to accomplish for next year. Uh, we want to reorganize the department, looking at the roles and responsibility of the nurses and as well as the support staff. Uh, we will be monitoring these improved process and uh, making sure that it's effective and efficient. And also, well, I'll be participating, and among other people, will be participating in uh, building MIDAS, which is 
I'm excited about MIDAS. It's going to be helping us uh, track data better, uh, give us information that we can work on. And because there's so many systems right now that my nurse look at four systems to complete one case. Mm -hmm. And so that's something more to come as we uh, improve our process. Is there any Thank questions? Thank you, Susie. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Bart come on up. So one of the big issues we had, and Bart's name has a U in it, it's a mistake there, Bart Broussard, uh, we didn't have a revenue integrity department. This is the department that captures charges, gets them in the system, works with our managers. So we recruited Bart from the University of Washington. Bart, kick it off. Yeah, you did it, my sister did. One of my sisters uh, is uh, a member of, I think it's Temple, Surly or something, Temple Church, that was involved with uh, Yes, the, right, uh, you, can, you can pull that up and just uh, take it out of the stand and hold it. You know, there you go. Okay. There you go. Asked me to come down because um, she was really concerned. I was, I think it was a Gendem A or something like that, referendum A, and um, she really wanted to, um, really wanted to really see this hospital really turn itself around. Um, also, um, you looked at me. I'm really uh, kind of a um, you can't stereotype me. I'm an ex-football player, but I'm intelligent. And what I'm saying there is that, um, is you see, you see a lot of the people talking about the Ibu. Well, um, I saw a lot of people who really just wanted some leadership. They were really, really wanted to do something. They wanted leadership. So that's what basically, as a coach, that's what I did. And I did that by providing um, metrics, reports, and um, a, uh, we would meet with the teams, we would train them, we would create metrics, and we would give them the reports and the information they need to go and do what they needed to do. So really, they're, they're really the, the winners, I'm just a coach. Um, as far as uh, when I got here, a lot of things we're still working on. When I say clinical documentation is uh, not up to par, I'm really talking about the, the physician side, I'm really focused on the hospital, I mean uh, the nursing side, sorry. I'm um, really focused on uh, the hospital. Uh, we need to work on that, uh, but it is improving. Um, there's, uh, we're started working on more reporting. Um, uh, to me, I'm a very heavy data guy. Uh, if you can't prove it to me from a data perspective, I typically will not listen, much, pay much attention to it. I really need to understand the data. Um, Accomplishments, uh, we did improve the uh, CDM. The CDM is the Charge Capture Description Master. That's how your charge gets on the claim. So the patient will, I mean the doctor <coughs> will, or the nurse will document something clinically that translates, translates, translates into a charge. Uh, that was uh, not correct. We fixed that. Um, we, um <coughs> I've implemented strategic pricing. Pricing is very different. Strategic pricing is very different from um, a straight across 15% uh, price increase. I looked at every different CPT code inside the system. So we're talking thousands of CPT codes. Looked at every different payer per CPT code. I looked at all the volumes per CPT code to really understand where is the opportunity for us from a net revenue perspective. And that's about $8 million if we really hit our numbers. Um, Going forward, um, I know that I've already proved uh, statistically that we, there's about a three to four million dollar uh, nursing leakage in the ED. Uh, that's net revenue. I don't tend to look at gross. I don't pay much attention to gross. I really look at net. 
Um, <clears throat> we look at I've looked at observation. I believe there's a significant amount of money in observation. So I think my department overall for the next year can probably bring in about anywhere between five and $10 million net, net revenue. Great job, thank you. I do have, well, hold on, I do have a question. How will CD10 affect the work that you're currently doing? I'm sorry? How will the CD10 change, ICD10, yeah, I'm sorry, the ICD10 affect the work you're doing? Well, it's kind of complicated. Um, I sit on the hospital side. The hospital side is typically, or is outpatient, I should think, say that way, really focused on outpatient. Outpatient will not change to ICD10, it's based on CPT codes. Our CPT codes are staying the same. There may there be a few changes, but that's really, um, I don't get affected that way. So saying it another way is that there's two reimbursement systems in this world in America. One is a CPT code, which is outpatient, and one is inpatient, and that's ICD-10, DRG. We, Thanks, we got you marked down for $10 million, so. All right, all right. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay, another uh, department that didn't exist uh, was uh, professional revenue. Uh, Mary Lynn Pequeno and I have worked together in the past, and I was able to talk her into coming out here from Vermont and giving us a hand. Hi, Mary Lynn. Hi, thank you very much. The um, professional revenue cycle is across the organization. It's not just facility specialty. It's also ambulatory. So wherever there's a physician, there's professional revenue. So when we first came on board, there were a number of issues that were happening. And as we know, access into the ambulatory area um, is difficult. And we're looking at that. Um, and working in collaboration with Guy and all of his team, working together, developing work groups. And I'll, um, I'll talk a little bit more about how um, the finance and in, in revenue is going to help with some of that. There was also um, the current billing system is very difficult to um, implement changes that are required. The system is set up primarily um, from a facility perspective and facility and professional billing are two separate. It's like the light company and the phone company. Very, very different. So um, charges were missing. Uh, physicians um, absolutely refused to put charges in. The systems are so antiquated and difficult to work with. So we've worked on some of that. Large volumes of denials across the board and um, no reporting. I mean, um, trying to get out a report to understand what you're doing is very, very hard. So what we, and when I first came on board, the implementation of ICD-10, um, we really need an automated application. As Dave explained, the codes went from thousands to thousands, and the expectation of having a physician work on paper just was not realistic. So we have implemented um, through the um, direct assistance of Margaret Lomas, who is our director on Profi, the Ingenious Med application, and we have, um, which will be completed September 25th. All billing providers will be trained on an automated application, whether it's their phone or whether it's a computer, but paper will go away. Um, and that will allow us to also do CMS incentives such as PQRS. It will allow us to monitor 
missing charge reports, um, where physicians are missing a charge so we can capture 100%. Um, we also are training physicians on ICD-10, working with them. We have a team of people here that is also working with um, the project management team, Dr. Swift, and we're going to continue to support that method throughout the year because this is a huge, a huge endeavor for the providers. We also had um, the EBU. Uh, we reduced the EBU by developing a strategic team so that the focus was on that as well as the day-to-day -day operations could continue. So we did a 38 reduction in, um, on our EBU, on our claims corrections. What do we plan to accomplish? Um, working in the ambulatory area, there's several things that prevent um, finance from um, moving forward, and one of those are no-shows, cancellations. And so developing a work group to look at those individual problems, part of what I see here is that there's not enough communication to our patients. Um, best practice, you notify your patients, you work with your patients three to four times before the visit, depending upon the length of stay. So working on no-show rates, working on cancellations, and keeping a focus on physician schedules, provider schedules, will inevitably open up access. So you're constantly bringing patients in where no-shows are happening or cancellations. So in best practices, um, that reduction is about five to six percent of no-show rates. Uh, this is a very complex uh, facility, so we may not reach the five in the second year, but we'll give it a darn good shot. Um, a new practice management system. On a professional billing application, you can basically <laughs> critique are you okay? <laughs> you can basically critique your claims. Um, so we are implementing what is called RainTree. Um, we're working uh, very closely with them. It will eliminate all of the facility holdups that we have today on Pro. So I expect the you know 2.1 million that's sitting on our system we can't push out to probably go to no more than 38. Okay, so it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of, again, it's a whole different type of business, whole different type of criteria. So we are moving the um, professional billing off the Sorian financial base. Um, we also have implemented an, a 100% of uh, pro fee. With the current applications in Genius Med, NextGen, we now have the advantage of being able to monitor um, missing charges across the organization. And so processes are in place to do that. And by doing that, we expect to capture an additional $10 million in, gro in gross. Um, so um, we've got some reporting. There are a couple of departments that we are putting into place. Uh, the prior Roth is in place by April, but we are expanding that out across the organization because there are patients that require prior Roth that never come to the hospital. They're seen in their clinics. And so we're expanding that with additional staff to help April's team recognize those 
prior authorizations. Um, we get a lot of denials for our clinic visits with no off. So we're expanding that whole function across the organization. The surgical hub, we're working with Dr. Harkin and his team. Uh, today we have patients that get uh, ETAR ticket. And that's when the surgeon makes a decision to uh, do surgery. The surgery's booked, but when it comes surg the surgical day, things aren't done that the anesthesi anesthesiologist wants to see, so the patient's sent home. That happens more frequently than we'd like to admit. So the surgical hub is designed to have to be the gatekeepers. And so the surgery will be booked once all the steps are done. That not only ensures patient care, it also ensures the financial stability of, of the care. And then uh, the CDI is the professional uh, documentation improvement plan. So, and reporting. Thank you, Mary Lynn. Okay. Great. Questions? That's okay. And next up is our Director of Health Information Management, Leanne Sherberg. Hi. My main focus and my main responsibility is ICD-10. We, we, we do all the coding for the hospital services throughout the system, and we will be implementing ICD-10. So our coders have been trained, and we have experts in our department for ICD-10. Some of the things that happened prior to the RCIP was the EBU. Uh, the HIM department really gauges what needs to be coded based on this report. The report needed to be tweaked, and errors needed to be correctly assigned. Once that was done, we were able to clean up our, our, our errors that were attributed to documents that were missing codes from the hospital uh, encounters. Once we've done that, we looked at another thing that we gauge our comp completion and our compliance on is our physician completion delinquency rate. Our physicians, our delinquency rate was up at 10%. And what that means, if the physicians have not completed their medical record documentation, we cannot code the record, we cannot, and therefore we cannot drop a claim. When the RCIP came aboard, there was more visibility throughout the physicians and throughout the organization that we've now decreased our delinquency rate down to 6%. So the physicians are very engaged in completing their documentations in a timely manner. We also created a coder trainee program or position to be able to relieve our inpatient coders on doing the EBU and, and clean up the coding errors. This will allow them to spend more time on ICD-10, which is really going to reduce our productivity a bit. Um, as, as Dave mentioned, there's multiple, you know, a lot more codes that they have to look through now. In looking at RCIP, we realized that the anesthesia profi coding was not completed accurately. Therefore, there wasn't accurate documentation to support the codes that was being placed on the claims. That whole function has been turned over to HIM to do. Um, the coding, and we're, we're, now, uh, we're now looking at the return on, on, on that, how much money we've increased. What do we plan to do next year? Our, our, biggest, our biggest issue is ICD-10. Um, throughout the organization and throughout the nation, ICD-10 coders are very limited. They're very difficult to get. So we're putting things in place to try and not to impact our productivity. We're, we are implementing a CDI program. As Dave mentioned, there's multiple codes Therefore, the documentation must support the codes. So we need to work with the physician groups to improve documentation. 
um, to support the ICD-9 code. And we have an issue with our merge process. And merge mean, means patients that have duplicate MRNs with the multiple systems that we have, we have a high percentage of, of duplicate MRNs. And that, that could be a patient safety issue um, that can impact billing, that can impact a, a lot of systems. So we're focused on improving that process. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. And the final speaker is Lisa Sander, Director of Patient Financial Services. Yes, and I'm always last because cash is king, so we are at the top of the hill. Um, what was it like prior to RCIP? I was not here, but I, I see kind of the remnants of it, and really it was very much everything came into one biller's bucket. Everything had to be done by one individual. They had to follow up on, bill a hospital claim, bill a profi claim, follow up if it wasn't paid, appeal it if it wasn't denied, work the credit if that came through, and oh, by the way, answer the phones and do their correspondence. It was not effective. It was not letting us get through that AR, which is why you saw those high numbers. Um, so really the biggest, and there was no focus on the, the denials at all. You saw from the earlier slide that Don showed that we had zero reimbursement on denied claims. And that's because we didn't work denied claims. So of course we're not going to get any reimbursement. So what we accomplished during the RCIP was that we reorganized that. We split out profi and we split out facility so that there was a focus on what's different, as, as Mary Lynn said, it's, it's light, light and phones, um, so that they can really focus on what their, their areas are. And we pulled out those elements. We made a customer service unit that was larger that could answer the phones. We took out correspondence so someone worked that, and we developed a denial unit that that's their only focus is working denials so that as those claims are coming through, we can not only work those, but we can look at root causes. And I think that's one of the biggest things I always worry about. Why is it happening? So let's stop the bleeding at the front so we don't have to continue to rework it. So those are the things that happened during the RCIP. What we hope to accomplish over the next year and plan to accomplish is to continue to refine that billing process. There's still some opportunities to pull some elements out. We have a lot of specialty billing units here. We have long-term care. We have the, the specialty clinics areas. We have behavioral health. So really looking at what can we pull out so that we can have some really dedicated resources for those very unusual billing types so that we don't lose things in the process. Um, we want to look at hiring qualified staff to replace our temporary staff. In order to do all the processes we need to catch up with all that backlog, we brought in some temporary staff. We got the approval for the additional resources. So we want to hire the right individuals for that. We, wanted to, we also wanted to want to monitor their quality and their quantity of work. It's great to have the resources, but we still have to hold them accountable to performing at the highest level possible and giving us the quality of the work that we want done and out of the system the goal. Once a claim is billed, we bill it once, we get it paid, we don't have to do the rework that happens when there's delays for information, wrong coding, and or um, denials. Um, we want to assess, as I poked about just a minute ago, the root cause. What is happening in our um, databases? What's happening on EBU that's holding things up? What can we do to fix those? The, um, the denials, the DSG, which is our billing vendor, when another claim is held there, why is it getting held? What can we do to stop it? And the work list, what keeps falling on the staff's work list that we should be resolving? So getting to that root cause to, again, reduce that rework. 
standardize the files. We have three systems here with all of our different entities. How can we standardize as much as possible so that when we do report, we're reporting apples to apples, not apples to oranges, and trying to make the numbers work in the sense of this is what this really means and this is what this really means. So trying to do that and the policies and procedures so that the staff in our department are all doing the work the same way. They may have different systems, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be following up and doing activities compliantly and in the same way. And prepare financial services for patient financial services for the ICD-10. CMS is um, stating that they're seeing a 20 to 40 percent increase in denials on claims after ICD-10 hits. So what can we do to be proactive as we start to see things happening? So that's going to also be our goal as ICD-10 hits. Any questions? Great, hey, thank thanks, you. Thanks, Lisa. Okay, so um, we feel pretty good about what we did. We think we hit the target, good results. You can see the enthusiasm yeah. in our team. We're on a roll. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot, of more, a lot more work to do. <clears throat> um, included in the package tonight is a uh, request to extend the contract uh, with Freed for uh, basically through June of next year for another $1.5 million. Uh, we have a number of uh, high-value projects that we think will pay for itself many times over. So that concludes the presentation. We'd be happy to answer any questions. Um, Dave, I just want to make one comment. Um, th this is the culmination, I mean, this is the, or not the end, I would say, but a, a midpoint in some really, really, really hard work that's been going on for at least a year. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was really great to see, um, you know, the leadership team that, uh, that pulled all this stuff off and to hear from everybody. Thanks so thank so you. <laughs> thank you. You know, I oh, thank you. I, I just when I I was worried about as the as the progress has come, particularly when we've had outside people working with it, that there was not what I would call the systemic embedding, mm -hmm. but having people come up today to explain it, it really relieved my mind that this isn't just somebody coming and fixing something, but rather we have processes that may in fact continue on, and I think Stick. that's a much better success. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, guys. Any yeah, other? Thanks again. Okay. Twenty. Um, oh, okay. Thanks. Um, let's yeah. see. Our time is now super short. Um, um, Kirk, do you mind if we um, steal a little bit of your time from? Well, what? it's your time. Well, I know, but um, <laughs> you're, but you're the you chair. Do whatever is in the best interest of the. Well, thank you so much. Mm. Okay. We could we could uh, postpone the metrics report till next month if you want, or it's fine. Yeah, yeah let's do okay. that. Do that. Um, so, Dave, we'll go right to the um, permanent agreement. Uh, I'm not sure we have a slide for that. It's, uh, yeah, that's not it. So, it's um, let me just orient myself in the package now. Okay, yeah, there's no slide, so we'll just go to page uh, 46 in the package. Um, as I reported uh, previously, we're now in discussions with the, uh, the county. I've had an initial meeting with um, uh, Steve Manning, who's the auditor controller. Uh, it's a very positive meeting. He's very appreciative of the progress that we've made. Um, the substantive um, changes are that he's indicated a willingness to include a uh, provision to go above the a net negative balance limit, which is a significant, I think, concession. Um, we've continued to refine our, our cash forecast, so we feel like we, uh, we can live within the 195 uh, limit. 
uh, we did have a discussion about um, you know breaking this into sort of the permanent part in the in the in the inter year uh, uh, line of credit and he's he's there's really nothing we do in the agreement to do that he's perfectly fine with however we want to present that on our financial statements or talk about it publicly uh, but in terms of the agreement itself he asked for a red line um, uh, so I met with um, uh, Mike and we kind of went through this and uh, marked it up sent it over we haven't heard any response yet um, uh, but uh, it's here tonight for discussion uh, Steve did indicate a uh, uh, maybe a desire to get this done as early as October, but obviously that would be dependent upon uh, the speed of the negotiations and the consideration by the board. So it's here for discussion. I think, given we're you know just in our just in our calendar, it would be difficult to get something. Mm -hmm. may, you know, October may be ambitious. Is just my yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I think one thing that might be helpful if um, you know if, if committee members did have specific things that, that perhaps send them to mm -hmm. you know to you for yeah there's plenty of time so yeah it's, it's, uh, one, one, now is the time. one one concern I specifically had and uh, you and I had talked about this offline um, is the interest rate mm -hmm. um, you know and as I read it the the interest rate floats yes. or is variable and in you know and I recall you know that there are you know many times in an economic cycle when short-term rates can rise up to five six percent fairly mm -hmm. readily um, so I think it would be helpful to get some historical perspective sure. on what the on what the county's rate has been right and maybe match that up with um, you know some standard market rate like LIBOR or federal funds rate just to see because I think what you said is that the county's rate has always been much less. Yeah, I did discuss that with Steve and, and yeah. he pointed out that the rate is really the um, inter-entity uh, interest rate yeah. <clears throat> that uh, people earn and that their uh, investments are very, as a government entity, are limited to, you know, uh, very short-term bonds and, and yeah. the, 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 the rate on this is going to be down around 1% at max. It's always going to be below any commercially available uh, interest rate uh, so he thought yeah I'm sure he'd be happy to provide us that rate but it's it didn't seem to be a um, significant uh, yeah. issue after I understood what the rate was going to be well I think it would give the board comfort, certainly sure. give me comfort just to mm -hmm. see you know, get that historical perspective and sure. why does it have to change I mean why can't there just be a fixed rate um, because the structure of the document is a negative draw on the Treasury so their point of view is since it's taking money out of the Treasury the interest cost should be whatever it would have earned if it had been in there okay rather than it's not a traditional loan document where you specify a fixed rate maybe I just need to meet with you by mm -hmm. because the, the truth is I you know it's really helpful rather than just talk is that you go through the agreement mm -hmm. so that it's understandable mm -hmm. to people mm -hmm. who are not like you and Jim, mm -hmm. um, like <laughs> dummy me. Um, because as I read this thing, I have I have tons of questions on it, and yeah, not well, there, quite there, certain. there, there, are, there are, we can do that right now. I'm prepared to do that because there's there's essentially about a dozen key provisions. Right, and and, and that and seems to me the, to be uh, particularly. I think the board will. And I'm loath to approve something I don't understand, and so I don't yeah. want to say no. 
but mm -hmm. I can't say yes until I understand it. Yeah. Well, I'd be happy to take well, a few minutes here and just go through it. It's, it won't, won't take long. Yeah, why don't we do that? Okay, yeah, why don't we so, do that? So, and, and if we need to go through it in yeah. a longer session, we will let's, do let's so. Let's do that. So okay. let's start on page 47, uh, which is the, the loan document itself. And let's go down to the part where it says agreement. And, um, and this is essentially what we'd be agreeing to. And the, f the first provision is that we would acknowledge that we uh, owed the county uh, $137.2 million as of uh, June 30th, 2015. And in fact, that is the amount that uh, was outstanding at that time. Um, <clears throat> the second is that we would agree that we're going to reduce this to zero by June 2034. And that date is picked with the termination of Measure A. Okay, and that's essentially the security that the county has uh, over this um, this obligation. Um, in in number three, we said, okay, we're going to provide a um, revised repayment schedule under Exhibit A, and that that is in, in fact uh, attached back here, and it basically establishes the amounts that um, this has to be paid to at, at June 30th of each year. And so that limit was... Um, uh, is this not meeting the need? Or? No, no. Was, no, my, com a, okay. my computer um, went crazy. But, but basically what happens here is um, it's $150 million at, at June 30th, which just passed. Then it steps down uh, $5 million a year until 2023, and then it starts stepping down at... 7.5 million and basically reduces the balance down to zero at uh, June 30, 2034. So it, it, it has lower reductions in the early years and higher reductions in the later yeah, years. Yeah. Is this now referring to the totality or to the historical piece? Uh, I, I guess what you would call the historical piece, which is the uh, amount that it has to be at June 30, not, not the entry year. Uh, right, because then it would cease to be a line of credit if it was right. played down yeah. to zero. But that's yeah. another right. reason why we'd like to see them broken out. Yes, yeah. because okay. in fact we are amortizing part of it on a schedule, and the other part is on a different schedule. Isn't that true? Um, yes. We're not paying us. Not, not we're not really. paying I the same the, amount every month on the whole amount. We're well, see, see, I think that's the um, part where it gets confusing because it's it's not a note where we actually make payments. It's a negative draw on the Treasury where they sweep our cash and then we have to ask for money right. back to pay our bills. But, but, it, but you are on a schedule that takes us to zero. We're on a schedule where it has to be paid down to zero. You're on a, but you're it, on could a go, it could go much earlier. It, we could pay it off next week if we well, wanted to, if well, we had the cash. Right, but that's a hypothetical. Yeah. Yeah, but, but the, the point is that the balance will almost never be exactly what the target is. Okay, we, we'll always be below it by some amount. So, um, the, go ahead. The, yeah. It's so hard, and I, I'm with Kirk, it's very hard for me to understand that, and that mm -hmm. moving back and forth with the cash to the Treasury. Mm -hmm. I suppose, I mean, I understand when you borrow and you've got COPs and you have, you know, you issue bonds, and I, I got that, but I'm... So I'm struggling with this. When you owe, when we have a debt of $157 million, but paying it off ends up being $155 million, I, I don't know, we're on that schedule and it moves up and we're paying interest on this. I, I don't get this. Help. 
well, again, it's not a note, and maybe Mike could help me, but it, it's a negative draw on the Treasury, so we're essentially allowed to take money out of the Treasury. But we're paying for doing it. Yes. When, when we take money out, we have to pay the interest rate that they would earn if it was in the, in the pool. Okay. Right. Okay. As but if but it that's were in not the same as it being a note or loan. Got it. Okay, and we confuse the terminology. It's, it's, it's negative draw on the Treasury. Negative draw on and the Treasury. And they've established a limit that they want it, that limit will scale down until 2034, and we have to stay below that limit. And, you know, and we can, but we can pay it off anytime we want. But, um, e but each time we draw on it, it's mm -hmm. costing us money to do it, sure. to draw on it. Sure. That's the only way we sustain that's, 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 that's how we get the liquidity to operate. To do what we need to yeah. do. Yeah. It's now, essentially a giant line of credit. Okay, so I don't get it. Well, well guess, just to simplify it another way, though, there is a number today that needs to be reduced to zero by uh, 2030, did you say? 2034. 2034, yeah. And that number doesn't go up. Right? That correct. number is a constant. Is that correct? That number that has to become zero. That we know number, what that number is today. And, and, and that number will be reduced every June right. 30th. But we know today what the max is. Yes. So that's what the constant is. We're paying that number down to zero. No. No. Let me, can I try this again? Um, I may regret this also, uh, <laughs> but, but I'll try. So, so, so as, as, as David is saying, you know, there's, there's, the, there's the, if you will, line of credit that says you can draw at any point up to whatever that number is, and we're okay. And you, we, uh, we need to be able to do that in order to su support our operations. So, so let's say today the total for that amount is somewhere around $143 million. As we wait on you know supplemental payments and as we continue with our operations, that number can go up. You know, as we're going month by month, that number will go up. But it can't. The, the county's uh, um, mandate is it can't exceed this high line, which is 195 million. And as it goes up and as it goes down, it's subject to when our reimbursements come in and how good we are with our operations. So that number will keep fluctuating, and wherever it is, we pay on it. But there are points of uh, time and it's the end of the fiscal year every year where the county is uh, mandating that 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 particular point in time the number should be below because that's when the drop happens the number should be below here now then your next year starts and you can go back up again but you'll notice that it keeps coming down so each year that by June 30th that number goes down by about five million so so each year you can fluctuate up and down by the end of the year you need to be five million lower than where you were before so, but but how do I know how much this fluctuation is costing the organization when we're fluctuating? Oh, well, I mean, it's probably a very complex calculation for when you draw it and what the interest yeah. rate is at, yeah, right, we, at that particular point in time. I, I don't well, know. We get billed on a monthly basis for the interest expense. Right. So you can actually see the, uh, yeah, what the actual interest expense is. But I guess the question would be... less than a percent on what we you, draw. You, so. you do this like... I'm sorry. Like... I should know this, and I don't know this. Okay. And okay. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a calculation every month that says you, you had this amount of money outstanding, and here's the uh, internal rate, 
and you multiply the two together, and it works out to some amount of money, and they send us an invoice. Okay, so the the use of the cash, I, mm -hmm. slowly this is coming. So the mm -hmm. use of the cash that we're mm -hmm. that we're using, mm -hmm. it is tied to our revenues that we get in, the reimbursements that come that put put yeah. give us money and cash. Yes, is that correct? Yes. Okay. So if we don't get those, we have to borrow so that we can pay our bills and yes. pay our employees. Yes. Where do, and in order to do that, we are also going to get this money, but it's costing us to get this money. Yes. So how are the choices made to go and get this money and costing us? versus going over here and cutting costs or doing something else so that you don't have to pay okay. borrowing that money. Okay, so... Do, do, it, that, am that, I asking the is, right question? Am I uh, you're asking the question, I understand it. Okay. Um, that's, that's handled in paragraph 11 where it says, HS will continue as it has done in the past to deposit all revenues in the county treasury until such time as the obligation is paid in its entirety okay so what that means is we don't make a choice to borrow from them or do something else they take everything up front it doesn't come to us it goes to them and then we have to make a choice to go to them to ask for it back or if we had an alternative we could go someplace else commercial bank. If you, yeah. A and we're not allowed to do that. No, we can no, do that we want. You'll just pay a higher rate. Yeah. Well, number we'd have to find a bank that's willing to do that, and then we'd have to pay a commercial rate, which would be about 4 to 5% higher than what we're paying today. I see. And, and it would probably be with a lot more Strings. onerous and, and intrusive yes. terms. Absolutely. Right. I see. Yeah. So this is the best deal going. Yes, this is very this definitely is the, best the best deal. deal going. Yeah. So yes. at some point you're going to convince me that this is a good deal. This is a good deal. Okay. Yeah, this is And I'm going to like the county for, for <laughs> doing this. This is a very nice thing that the county is doing for us. The, the county could say, you know what? You're in default. You're on your own. Have a nice day. We're done with you. And okay. we would have to go out and find somebody to lend us $150 plus million. Under okay. what other terms we can get. So, uh, um, Michelle, I'm, I'm closer to you than I am to Jim with, my, with respect to my understanding of this, and I can tell you it's a good deal. <laughs> okay. We can, yeah. we can talk in more detail, but it's Well, I, it just, it just, it, it still sticks in my mind about how this debt came to us to begin sure. with. And so that's the part that I still yeah. find difficult to understand that... Yeah, and, and Mike and I are looking at historically at what happened, and I think at the right time we should get back together and have the educational session that you requested. Well, and I suspect the county wants to do that with us at some point too, but so I don't want to be... No, it, it's, it's an interesting history, I mean. It, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, um, all right. Let's, if if I, I could yeah. jump in, sorry. Um, I, I too... I, I, I guess I have a couple of things. I, I too feel that... This, um, that the net negative balance 
um, procedure that we have here, it's really conflating two different kinds of lending. I mean, there's a the long-term portion yeah. um, that right now stands at $150 million that we're saying, right? Well, well see, th the 150 is not, it's, it's a limit. It, okay, but the, but that's, the debt is that, actually what we've drawn. It's that it's the limit of a point in a, partic a particular point yeah. of a one day point of time. Yes, but that number has to reduce by five yes. million dollars yes. a year. They say over time we're going to reduce your limit. Right, you have to stay under underneath it. Right. So in my mind, there's kind of, there's that there, yeah. there's this portion which is slowly amortizing over time. Okay, and then there's another portion which is a function of our. Of our cash of our of our cash operations, and that's the actual draw, right? Which yeah. kind of waxes and wanes, and yeah, um, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, if the if we do the calculation relative to 150 million dollars, I guess right now, the county is effectively you know borrowing money from us, but there'll be other times of the year when we're borrowing from them. Okay. In effect, but it, it seems to me that it would, it might be cleaner to separate those two, not only from an accounting okay, perspective. So the, the, the problem is that the, the first one yep. is not actual debt, okay? okay? It's just an arbitrary limit. Okay. okay? Yeah. The only thing that's actual debt is the amount we've drawn. Okay. Okay, um, and they're so just saying that over time, you've got to keep that, the actual draw below this limit. Okay. And we want, we want this to go down because eventually we mm -hmm. want you to be right. on your own. Okay. Um, Got it. Uh, well, uh, no, I, I got like I heard all your words, but so we may need to revisit this, but it okay, still strikes sure. me as separating those two. One other question. Um, so when we get to 2034, which is a long time for now, and it yeah. says the balance yeah. goes to zero, does that mean that the that this line of credit draw facility it evaporates? It evaporates and goes away, yes. So at that point, we're on our own in terms of... Right. So we mentioned earlier a long-term financial plan, a model yeah. which I'm putting together, and that will allow us to determine at which point we can just eliminate this, pay it off, mm -hmm. and just be done with it. Okay. Which probably will be a lot earlier than 2034. Yeah, I mean 2034 is a long, well, it is a long way from now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, there's a strong possibility I won't be here since I'll term out. <laughs> okay. Well, we have to but, plan for the organization. Yeah. But yeah, the, the right. other thing to keep in mind, though, is, is yeah. they take the cash. So if we do right. really well and the balance goes down and we're way mm -hmm. below the limit, we don't have the ability to say, oh, you know what, we, we'd, like to, we'd like to have that extra. Can you just give it to us? They'll say no. Sure, sure, I understand yeah, that. Okay, yeah. right. uh, under the current terms, yeah, yeah I get so it. So it's not, uh, not like a loan where you say, oh, you know, give us $150 million. It's mm -hmm. not the way it works. No, I, I get that part. Okay, I get that right. part. Okay. Um, Trauma team to the ER, we have a level two in five minutes. Trauma team to the ER, we have a level two trauma. ETA is five minutes. I think one other thing to just put your thinking cap on is the, 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 the graph that you showed for this year, next year of the cash balance. And I do note that it kind of touches 195 or the next yeah. year limit 190 and pokes above. And um, as I recall, that was the thing that really that's where we got hung up a lot Yeah, so last and I, year. I tried to make the point earlier that <clears throat> this is a conservative forecast. Right. I've said, okay, we're going to spend all the capital budget. Yep. We're going to have no lease financing. Yeah. So, so, so from my standpoint, I have a lot of comfort that I can live 
within the, those okay. limits. So when you come when when you come for approval, mm -hmm. I would include in that the you know sort of a concrete plan of what would what would happen if it looks like we're actually going to pierce that limit. Right. So that, yeah, and that's actually you know that, that doesn't that. include not paying people and stuff like that. But okay, <laughs> okay. So would I think we should go through the rest of these provisions yeah, yeah, just so yeah. that everybody has a chance. Right. I just wanted to pile Okay, on so we're up to number four. <laughs> So number four says that there'll be the, the county auditor controller can continue the flexible maximum balance policy, meaning during the year, in between July 1 and June, and June 29th, he can let us go higher than those year-end limits. And there's a schedule back there that also reduces that. So it effectively uh, makes it, the limit go higher. We can borrow money and or use draw on the county and then have to repay it. Um, there's also supposed to be a provision in here that I know he's agreed to that he can make an exception uh, during the year to, to to raise that limit even higher than what we agreed to here. Yeah, he, yeah, he's it, he's agreed to do that. Is it kind of open ended, or is there sort of a percentage? Uh, he, he was talking, you know, three to five percent. So it'd be you know fifteen okay. to twenty five million or so. Okay. okay. So that that's a that's a big give for us. That gives us additional cushion. Sure. Um, now, number five is important because it says that if at any time we believe that we can't meet the, re the pay repayment schedule, we have to tell them, and then we have to do a meet and confer and decide what we're going to do about that. Mm -hmm. Okay? So that's an important provision. It also says that uh, including, but not limited to, making a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors and the board, AHS Board of Trustees to adopt a repayment schedule that's different from Exhibit A. So there's a potential that if things change, we can go back and say, gee, you know, it's not working. There's good reason for it. Let's agree on a different repayment schedule. So that's that's an important protection for us. Right. So, well, it doesn't guarantee that we'll get that, but it gives us the, it gives the, us the, the right to ask. The right to ask, yes. Okay. All right, number six. Um, Why does it guarantee it? I mean, what's the point of just having an agreement that you ask and not guarantee uh, because the the county wants to retain the discretion um, to make a change to it based on their evaluation of uh, what's going on in the situation. So it's typical with the lender. I yeah. mean, they, they, they still get to hold our feet. It, to it's the fire. not a it's not an open open ended take what you want. But that's it's the, our money that's in their treasury. Could you you keep using lender? No, it's it's the, it's their money that we have drawn. How do we know? Because all our revenues go in there. Because we, we track what goes in and what comes out, and we reconcile it with them. So I'd like to call it my money, and they could call that. I mean, I don't, I still don't get this. I'll, I'll, that's all right. I'm going to be quiet the rest of the time. Okay. I will. Okay. I okay. Number six is important. Uh, number six says that we acknowledge uh, our obligation regarding the pension obligation bonds. So I went back and looked, and at the, the inception of AHS, there were, or sometime shortly after that, uh, there was $146 million of pension obligation bonds related to the funding of ACERA that uh, HS took responsibility for. And over time, we've made payments on those. And we've reduced that obligation from $146 million down to $70.6 million. Okay? Now, that's obviously required us to draw on this facility because we've had to come up with that $76 million over that period since, since 2008, okay? But they want us to reaffirm 
that we owe that money. Well, okay. Uh, th this provision's been in every version of this yeah. document that I've seen, every one that's been approved by a prior board. So it's, it's not just, a, I, Have we ever said we don't owe them? Is that, uh, is that not, a question? Not to my knowledge. Okay. Yeah, it just seems, I don't know. It's like, why do we? Yeah, because it's, it's always been in there. So I guess there needed to be some formal, uh, Mike might want to comment, I don't know. but it's. Yeah, my best understanding is that that was part of the agreement uh, in terms of allocating, you know, the responsibility for the portion of the bond for mm -hmm. which, you know, because our employees were being covered by ASERA, so the bond essentially was necessary to provide funding to cover them within the plan. Yeah. And so that was the agreement that was reached at that time that yeah. we would be responsible for that allocated I, share of that amount. I, I, I don't think you're hearing anyone question the responsibility. It's more like why do we, why are we being asked to reaffirm something that's not under qu any question? Well, I, I think that, you know, what, you know, typically, you know, the general rule is you sign a new agreement, it's going to supersede prior agreements, yeah. and I think it would be imprudent for the county not to make yeah. clear that we're not extinguishing any other debts or any other obligations between the parties by entering right. into this new agreement for a new yeah. obligation. From the yeah. county's perspective, if we were to excise that provision, um, we potentially could say, well, you know what, it's not there anymore. That's, that's recognition that we don't owe you that money anymore. That's, so that's, that's why it would be in there. We, we can talk about any of these things. Um, yeah, I mean, from our standpoint, you know, I... Uh, isn't there I a separate obligation associated yeah. with the bonds that's independent of anything that we presently have? I'm not aware of it. Is. I, you know, I, I no. don't know that there is. The, the references right. to the obligation with respect to this repayment are, are ones that I've seen in the, uh, these I'm, agreements. I'm seeing our here. county representative saying that no, there's not. There's not a separate. Not. You, so when, you, when you think of bonds, you normally think of an indenture and a, right. a separate yeah. track right. of obligations right. yeah. that. No, the, I know uh, that the bonds are held and have to be paid by the county. And. Uh, this agreement basically says that we're going to reimburse them for our right. portion. Well, perhaps of our obligation flows through the county and is not in right. a typical form of a, a yeah, bond. I mean, the, uh, I mean, the bonds are not issued by HS, yes. they're issued by the county. So, so okay. I think what you're saying is that this, I mean, okay, so what this really is is the entire debt, is the entire financial obligation with respect to the county, this document. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not. Um, okay, okay, number seven says <clears throat> that in association with the bonds on the new hospital that's being built, in 2019, we will start paying $7 million per year to the county. Okay. Got that. Num number eight says that as long as this agreement is in effect, we will develop annually a comprehensive strategic financial and operating plan which will consider a variety of things in, and that will develop contingency plans for continued successful operations and we will present that to the Board of Supervisors on a periodic basis. Okay? So this, but we're, we are indeed doing that. We are preparing Strategic and financial plans, and we, yes, and we did that. And we, we presented and we, our budget and we to them. We prepare and that to yeah. the yeah. So we did that. 
So, we're so that's what they mean by that, correct? I think so. Number nine says that we're going to make monthly reports to them. Okay, and we're doing that. Number 10 says that the AHS chief financial officer shall cooperate with them, provide full and accurate data needed to monitor cash flows. In addition, we'll provide the auditor controller with quarterly financial statements and reports that project revenues to the end of each fiscal year. And we're doing that. Number 11, we've covered, they get all of our cash up front. Okay? Number 12, we have the right to prepay this anytime we want. How generous of you. Hmm? I think that's very generous. That's nice. Yeah. And that's essentially it. Okay. Um, I, th I think you should maybe anticipate further comment sure. <laughs> on an yeah. individual basis. Unless, Tony, do you have any comments? No. Okay. Um, right. Kirk, you're not a member of the committee, but we invite you to comment. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, Dave Pistoni, can we go back to the original uh, presentation and to the last two slides dealing with contracts? Okay. which is where we are on the agenda. Um, um, the, the comment that I, I want to make, yes? Well, I was going to, were you going to talk about the, the short term? Let me, go ahead. Go I was going to make comments about the contracting process. What were you going to talk about? Oh, I was going to say, um, I note here that a number of these are still kind of, are kind of, you know, three, six-month yes. extensions. Yes, yes, that that's on? what I was going to talk oh, about. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. so uh, you will notice there are some extensions here. Uh, there's several reasons for that. Um, you may recall that we're restructuring the contracting process, including the physician contracting process. Uh, so we're kind of getting our hands around those. Um, but in, in other cases, um, we're doing actual um, um, restructured departments. For example, there are a couple of uh, anesthesiology contracts that need to be restructured. Um, we're looking at the entire department, how that's operating, uh, whether some of these individuals might be, might be offered uh, employment agreements under um, Alameda Health Partners. That organization is about to come up and begin operations. Um, there are some uh, contracts like Nighthawk Radiology where we want to um, uh, extend these while we conduct an RFP process to see if we can do get either improved services or uh, perhaps reduce our costs. So that's why you see the extensions. Um, other than that, um, uh, let's see, grab these. Uh, other than that, I'm going to just present them to the committee for uh, consideration and uh, I can uh, I can walk through Oops. and give you quick summaries real quick if you'd like and consider them in mass. Well, or we can pick uh, particular ones like we did last last time. Let's do this. Um, do any of the trustees have want to uh, talk in depth about any of any particular thing here? Uh, yeah. I have a couple questions on the Douglas parking yes. issue. Yes. Okay. I'm going to ask Dave Warmuth to come up, please. Oh yeah, that's. Oh, fine. you're here. Never mind, Dave. You're good. Okay. Okay. Um, 
Uh, my quick, uh, they're really pretty simple questions. I, I was interested in what is the volume of the rides that we are providing? Do you have, do you have hard numbers of the yeah. numbers of people and et cetera that we, we transport? Yes, I, I don't have them in front of me, but I know pretty much the ballpark what they are off the top of my head. Actually, during the day shift between 7 and 9, our ridership here at Highland from BART to here is sitting around the three to 400 during that morning period. As in the afternoon goes, we go more into servicing the uh, the, uh, the, the visitors and the patients, and we're probably sitting around about, I think with the numbers that we were looking at between 10 and three, was sitting around about, about 100. So it drops off quite a bit, but the frequency also drops for us too. We also go down in our route. From three to six, those, those employees that are coming off and coming on actually goes back to the three to 400 range again. Well, so. what's, what's the daily carry? You know, so I know the numbers yeah. depending on shifts are going to. The what, daily carries the daily carries around six to seven hundred people, including our offsite parking. Sixty-seven hundred. Yeah, six six hundred to seven hundred. Six to seven hundred. Yeah, six hundred to seven hundred. Okay, so so what's the cost? It's a yearly agreement, so it's basically one two a year yeah right? one and then a two and a third year yes okay and then you divide what i was trying to do is figure out what the cost was per person that uh, we're transporting and and with three million you could bob you I, I didn't know whether you could get them a taxi for free you know, yeah I, so um, i was wondering what the how that how that played out and we're really trying to increase the ridership and that's one reason with this contract is um, the more parking i can get off this campus the better for the system oh, I, I get that so yeah so this company also we're going to do a lot of upgrades to the shuttles as well that they can do so but, but, but this is also provide parking it's also valet parking yeah valet it, it includes our valet parking here at highland and uh, alameda okay. hospital it requires it uh, has the bart shuttle and it also has our off-site parking shuttle so those are the four services it provides in the contract. And, and, and they're also, I'm not quite sure what's involved, but administering just the parking structures or lots. Yeah, they also have the day-to-day man -day management of helping keeping the, all the parking gates running and the tickets and things like that. Okay. Okay. So it's anything related to parking you're getting from here to there. Yes. Okay, so I was wrong to look at it as what the cost was. Yeah, per no, no, they, they do a lot more. Okay, thank you. And they also administrated our fees back to the county. Um, they also oversee that to the city because um, our parking fees go back to that as well. So there's a lot of that as well. Okay, thank you. I, I move approval of the consent. All right. Okay. Um, so all, all of the items? I'll second that. Well, well, technically, it's not a consent agenda, <clears throat> so I think it would be appropriate that you could uh, move for approval of each of the contracts, which are sure. identified, you know, under that tab. Could, or could we do this? I move, I move. Um, tab five items A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, and that's it. And recommend to the board. And rec and recommend for to the board for approval. Is there a second of that? Second. All right. Discussion. Okay. All in favor, aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain? Unanimous. Approval. <laughs> All right. Um, public comment. Okay. Any final Board of Trustee remarks? All right. 
Good job, gentlemen, ladies. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, audience. Adjourned.